Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 426. It's NXT UK update, but I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by our NXT expert. It's Monty. How you doing? I'm back, back once again. Always excited. You don't understand. I get perky when you say NXT expert like that. Uh, like, oh my goodness. Like, but at the end of the day, I used to be way more prouder of that title. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, let's get into it. I'm ready to talk about another uh, batch of episodes to, uh, you know, get into. <laughs> I will say that um, before we continue, uh, obviously the 4th of May was dubbing our 7th uh, anniversary show. Of course, Mont, you've been a part of it for the past couple of years. Uh, I will say in no point in podcast history has there been the kind of crazier month for news that I can remember. And not just kind of like <laughs> any news, because obviously with us, yeah. we talk about, you know, when we first did it we're, uh, together, you know, with NXT and the changes to 2.0, you know, the size mm-hmm. changes, and even with NXT UK now. But like even just the last three weeks, right, I'm going to list you what's happened since Double or Nothing. <laughs> so we had... The MJF right. drama, of course, with a shoot uh, promo. Mm-hmm. We still don't know what's going on. Cody Rose with his injury and wrestling at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> CM Punk's injury and uh, not the vacating the title, because you can't say that, uh, but having an interim champion. Yeah. Uh, Brian Danielson getting injured. Randy Orton's injury and apparently being <laughs> out until the end of the year changed everything. Uh. Jeff Hardy being arrested for DUI and being suspended uh, from AEW. Sasha Banks and the rumours that she's been released, but no one can confirm. I've never known a story kind of to be not dragged <laughs> along as such, but just to what is going on. Of course, uh, Jake right. Chris burning the WA belts, uh, as he did. Uh, Biggie without his net brace. Paige not renewing with WWE as well. It's quite a big story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about Jay White becoming the new IWGP champion. And, yeah. of course, uh, well, the biggest news story we're going to get on into a little bit, uh, we're going to do a couple of NXTs first, but just them news stories alone, Monty, have you ever known anything like it? <laughs> like, no, this is insane. Uh, you know, we I remember, uh, I think it was a couple months back, you, you mentioned that this is going to be a big summer, you know, oh man, big summer, wrestling, a lot of stuff going on. You know, we had shows uh, that, we, that we were ready to review. And I, I, the news for this summer, I don't think anyone thought that the news would be as hot as it is. Almost hotter than the wrestling, the headlines every day that, that you're starting to see coming out. And uh, it, it's just it's insane. I can't really even put words to it when you think about everything that's been going on, like you said, from the bad luck with the injuries to the situations that uh, – that we have going on now with Sasha Banks and her contract and no one knowing anything to, you know, Paige. And so it's just like, like you said, it's just a, a crazy list. Even, even if you took down every individual story, it, we could have like, we'd probably do a pod for one for every story almost. Yeah. Like that's just how, you know, crazy all of this is. It's just, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how you, how you feel about it, but, I'm not as hyped for the wrestling as I was when when this summer kicked off, but I am like just waiting almost by my phone to see what's going to happen next. Like, I don't know, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's the wrestling or whether, you know, who's going to pop up where, 
who's leaving, who, you know, what's going on. It's just always something around the corner as a wrestling fan. So it is interesting times, man. Interesting times. It's a bit like, I think it was 2016 or 2017 where we, just, every celebrity just kept dying. Like every week, yeah. you know, it'd be like Bowie <laughs> or whoever it was like right. that. And you're thinking, and I, and I don't know, it won't be until kind of like the end of the year. Like when we all look back and think, this is not even, we've just gone past halfway of the year. And we've already got, like, I, I even saw it with you talking about, like, Kevin Owens and Stone Cold, headline WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no one cares. Like, who cares, like, who cares about it now? We haven't heard anything about it. Like, it's, like no one, it's, it's a distant memory. And it's just doomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's just, we're six months in. It's like, we, we can't possibly have another six months of this size news because it just what what else it what happens like W shuts its doors or like you know yeah, I just I understand I mean, how you can't mergers like yeah. all types of stuff <laughs> just, it's, like, who like, knows? It's, it's crazy as well because it's even like you know you watch it like I said the the wrestling shows in itself. And you're thinking of like kind of bigger news stories even behind it. It's like even not talking about Roman <laughs> Reigns, you know, defending, yeah, yeah. only defended the championship once since WrestleMania. Since he won a, it. <laughs> been a part-time, you know, being on SmackDown maybe three times since. And no one cares because there's so much no more uh, going on. Uh, That's we, fair. Like, he, they gave him that belt to say he was going to be on both shows and he... He's done the opposite. He's done neither, <laughs> and no one has to say a word because it's just headline after headline. But one thing I did like, and I will take note, especially this week in wrestling, mm-hmm. as it was, um, well, it was good to see. You know, all this change in the world and everything like this. On Raw, you had Seth Rollins delivering a great match against AJ Styles. Obviously, mm-hmm. Roman Reigns on SmackDown, great match against Riddle. And then on Rampage, you've got Moxley having a great match against Dante mm-hmm. Martin. So I'm thinking, well, at least the Shield are kind of doing all right at this moment in time. But everything right. else falling by the wayside. But these chaos things, around them. Yeah, like, yeah. At least we've got some stability uh, somewhere. But even with like NXT 2.0, we talk about uh, what can change. WWE released NXT star Troy two times Donovan. It was only last week I was mocking yeah. <laughs> And now he has been released. Seven um, days. Yes. Not budget or creative. He failed a drug test. And um, they ah, said the door is okay. open. But, I mean, come on, guy. You know what WWE are like at this moment in time. And you do yeah. that, you know? Yeah, and then it's, it's crazy because, like, I don't know about all the recreational drugs or whatever, but I know, like, you know, there's reports about them being more lenient on, uh, you know, on, like, marijuana and other stuff. So it's crazy when you, when you, you know, you get busted for this now. You think, like, oh, my God, this era, that era of those type of stories. Like, I remember a few, like, a dec- you know, the end of the 2000s where you get those headlines every other week in wrestling. Like, oh, you know, this guy got pops for this, whatever, whatever. Uh, so this was very, very weird. But, yeah, man, it's kind of crazy how fast that that happened. Uh, I don't know. I think he they did invite him back, so that's a good sign. But, uh, you know, a year, we, don't, we can't predict anything. So we'll see uh, what happens uh, over this time when it comes in his future as far as his career goes. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see much of him to really get an opinion on him, but uh, you know he's young, so this is 
Probably just a uh, speed bump, you know. Well, it's even it's like WWE stopped caring because we're gonna look at <laughs> we're gonna look at two point from this week. That's fair. And they're literally fair. just like we could cut it, but we just can't. Just can't. <laughs> yeah. We just, like... <laughs> we, we just yeah. I'm beyond confused. He's just there, like, oh well, he's not. Is he gone or is he? <laughs> Is he can't even blame me like I was meant to be it's a tape show then, is it? I thought this was live. I don't I don't know what's going on, but um but and what's even inter- more you never interesting know. uh I would say as well was like the rating for NXT this week, which we will view in a minute. It's like six hundred and twelve thousand. Okay. And I think Dynamite is like seven hundred and eighty six, so this is probably mm-hmm. better win for them than it was during the Wednesday night wars. <laughs> and it's it's <laughs> you're going, Well, how can it be any worse? <laughs> like, really, honestly. Yeah, I don't, and you know what? The, the funny thing about that is, is that on both sides, when it comes to Rampage and 2.0, I uh, struggle to see the appeal that brings people back at times. But, you know, uh, you're right. 2.0 uh, doing a lot better than some shows that me and you definitely liked a lot better. <laughs> so, hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, some people must sure like Toxic Attraction. Someone's enjoying this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but WWE have also announced its second next in line class because they are running out of talent. Uh, 15 college <laughs> athletes have signed. Uh, we have got Ali Mattox from Cheer and Dance, Case Hatch from Football, uh, American that is, Chandler Hayden from mm-hmm. Track and Field, Colton Schultz. Oh, they're going to change all these wow. names anyway. Eric yeah. Link from Volleyball, Kay Sean Moore from Football, Luke Ford Football, uh, Football and Basketball, Malik Carr, show off, uh, Rachel Glenn, Track and Field, Ruben Banks, Track and Field, Thunder Keck, Football, and Tiana Omazig. Um, I suppose if it works as well as the first lot, I mean, <laughs> things are going to be all right, aren't they? Yeah, 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 sure. Sure, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, I was about to say they have a type, but how many of these football players will we actually <laughs> get to see yeah. uh, develop? We'll, I, we will, we will see. I, I don't know what to tell you about any of this, other than the fact that WWE obviously has a type. No amateur wrestling this time, though. I, I didn't hear much of, them, so I was surprised. Like you would think they would be trying to, you know, <laughs> get the amateur wrestling market down, but yeah. you know, football and. Basketball takes the crown. <laughs> some, some, at least some sort of connection. But it's funny because you imagine these guys getting signed, and then maybe someone like Canyon Seaman coming up to him with his iPhone and starting the time and go, right, you got six months. <laughs> Just walking away. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. But it's like... people who've been released, and the only thing we saw of them was in was that photo in the property of the <laughs> WWE T-shirt. That's it. And it's people who've been in and out. We've never even seen them. On television, so we'll see how this turns out. How this bat turns we'll see out. See, independent wrestling is going to be like former WWE star. It's just him and his performance <laughs> centre top. Like, I don't know if, that, I don't know if it counts. But... I don't think they really count, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right, right. fine. Um, yeah. And we we have mentioned the elephant room, so let's go for it. We're going to do, like you said, Monty. We could dedicate a whole podcast to this one thing. <laughs> We're going to go into a deeper dive. Yes in our Money in the Bank review, because I think with Forbidden Door, with Japan and stuff we want to talk about, uh, we want to give it a bit more time. So we'll go into Money Bank. I'm yeah. sure Jackson and Gene have got a lot to say about this. 
but the news this week was Vincent Mann is stepping away from his roles as CEO and chairman of the WWE Board of Directors amid an investigation into alleged misconduct. He will be replaced by Stephanie, who herself <laughs> walked away uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, and, well, basically... <laughs> He will, Mr. McMahon will still see, uh, will still retain creative direction during this, and John Laurinaitis yes. will remain in the role. It all started with Wall Street Journal reporting that McMahon secretly paid a former employee $3 million in January after having mm-hmm. a legit affair. Um, the ex employee was hired as a paralegal in 2019. McMahon alleged to increase her salary from 100000 to 200000 after it began a sexual relationship. A person who tipped off the board to McMahon's relationship, the woman said he gave her like a toy to Laurinaitis, who was reportedly his assistant in 2021. Oh. Uh, my friend was so scared she quit after Vince and the lawyer Jerry McDevitt paid her millions of dollars to shut up. The settlement called for an initial one million payout, followed by two million to be paid out over five years. McDevitt said the settlement was paid to McMahon's personal funds and employers not made a claim of sexual harassment. And I'll talk about Stephanie McManus, who stepped away from role as chief brand officer, has taken the reins and said, I love this company and commit to work with independent directors to strengthen our culture of our company. Uh, I have committed to anything in my powers to help mm-hmm. them, including marshal the corporation, the entire company, insists the completion of the investigation and independent it findings. And if that wasn't enough, on SmackDown, which as we recorded was last night, Mr. McMahon came out and basically said, then, now, forever, together, welcome to SmackDown and through the microphone. Now, these allegations and everything like this, it's took me um, two or three days trying to get it all together to work out because, in all seriousness, this is uh, could be as big, if bigger, than the uh, steroids scandal in the early 90s <laughs> where Vince, yeah. um, with a net bracing court, thought that was his job done uh monty this this is huge but mr man will be well vincent man will be vincent man the promo and putting stephanie there for me uh shows something but i mean what are your thoughts on this because this is huge yeah man like you said just a, a humongous story I, I i try my best uh to wait and give things like the proper time because like i immediately had heard things Days before I ever did, even did my show, but uh, I just wanted to get all the information I could, but also just try to wait it out and see what else happens. And uh, first of all, I want to talk about the SmackDown thing because I, I really just didn't. I thought I never knew. I knew he wasn't going to say anything substantial because, of course, it's a you know pending investigation or something going on. I just know it wasn't going to be anything like that. Uh, but you know, I'm, I got, I'm of two minds of one, what he chose to say feels like a goodbye kind of in a way, if you want to actually think about what he was saying there, like if that was a send off or whatever, I guess that would be the way for him, uh, a quick way to do it. Even though of course we know it's make it's Vince and, and, and the biggest proponent of that is not only the Stephanie is in that position after him is, is, you know, Brock Lesnar came out later on SmackDown. <laughs> That confirmed everything for me on who's in control uh, and who's still going to be in control creatively. But, uh, yeah, as far as all the details and everything that's going on uh, with the hush money and all of that, 
it, it's just um, it's crazy, man. Uh, I, I I'm not shocked because again, I, I saw this beautiful tweet, hilarious tweet to me. Uh, about how people who are outside of wrestling are reacting to this news story. You know, people on outside of wrestling come up to others or come up to fans and like, man, you heard that McMahon story? Like, this is, I can't, can you believe that? <laughs> and the tweet goes, like, if you've been watching since 98, yes. <laughs> yes, you can believe it. So, you know, uh, it's not like I have any indictment on this character. I don't know what happened. These are allegations, but in, in the situation, it all looks very, very bad, and it's gonna be tough. I don't see him surviving this, uh, in this position and staying CEO. It's just gonna be tough. I, I, I can't really predict or see him uh, staying in his position. So uh, it's it's a, it's a weird situation, though. I don't really even know what to say about it. Is that is that crazy of a situation? This is the thing, and like you said, even with the allegations and if it's going on, people kind of made their stand straight away. But it's. For me, the cult of personality and the kind of bigger slope you are, the kind of more you get away with, the amount of money that you've got as well. And people might be compared to Epstein or whatever it is, and, you know, we, we've had places there, but it's even like kind of yeah. Mike Tyson in the past or even, you know, people bringing up, you know, Stone Cold mm-hmm. with Deborah during kind of Vincent Mann's, mm-hmm. you know, management saying, oh, he allowed this. And there's been so many employees, disgruntled and not, who have made allegations. You Over know, the years. There, mm-hmm. there was four four episodes we've done in the past with controversial characters. Vincent Mann's been involved in every single one, whether it be with nails and the stuff that kind of went on there, with the whole, you mm-hmm. know, even the Stephanie uh, Macho Man kind of relationship. Obviously, yeah. all the on-screen stuff. And, you know, the thing is, people saying with Vince, even the incest storyline, but with, Mr. with Vincent Mann, <laughs> in his eyes, God. he would do anything full of product and he, he doesn't understand people have said this before with Mick Foley or you know yeah. Steve Austin it's like it, there's nothing he wouldn't do there so he expects it of his talent and what I find really kind of worrying and disconcerting is there is no way Vincent Mann is going to give any power away if he can't help it you know even if it's a oh, show, yeah. even this thing of putting Stephanie in charge he is the one pulling the strings, you know, and this is, and, and another right. thing, and I felt bad as well, because I, the first thing I thought was, who was in the WWE, or the board of directors have leaked this? Are they trying to get Vincent Mann out? Is there a coup going on here? You know, a lot of things about Nick Khan, but, and I was thinking, of course, mm-hmm. about the victim, and everything else that's happened, but these are the kind of things that have gone around, because you can't, Vincent Mann is, you know, especially for wrestling fans, people hate me saying this, but he is like God. And people have grown up with him in this position. I don't think, and even I yeah. can't picture him not there. You know, it's a bit like in our country with the Queen, yeah. you know? Some people might love her, some people might hate mm-hmm. her, but when she's not there, people will be like, what the fuck, you know? Right, right. And you know what? That's a great point. I even mentioned that it's going to be weird. Uh, very, very weird if, if we ended up, and that's the outcome that we have where there's no old man there, and I call him the old man, but it's just like, I say it that way because it's just like, he's like that, like you said, a godly or like fatherly figure of the wrestling business to a lot of us, and and that's the reason why you get the response you saw on SmackDown and all those people doing all that, bowing and all that. I understand that. I still thought it was a horrible look, yeah. and I still hated even even the whole idea of him coming out, I'm just like, oh no, they announced it on the on 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 you know on at WWE, 
oh, so we know what this is. Like, he just felt like, okay, you want everybody to come, you know, get this ratings pop, and we know you're not going to say much because you can't say much. And it's exactly what he did, and, you know. And, again, like you said, he'll do anything for the product, and it's going to be so awkward. But I, I even said this on my show. I At first, nothing's going to change as far as, like, creative and, and as far as, like, who's going to be in control. But like you said, if this leads to something, if they could use something like this situation to make a case against him towards the board to move to remove him, then, you know, maybe this would be like the catalyst of that change. Uh, but, yeah, I'm on two minds of because I know there's plenty of people out there who couldn't wait for this. Like they're waiting for, you know, Vince to be completely out of the picture. Mm. And then there's people, you know, who are on the other end of that spectrum. I'm one of those people who are in the middle. I appreciate everything he's done. I appreciate him raising me when it comes to like it's pro wrestling and what it is. That's who, you know, that's was my idea of what wrestling was supposed to be. And he is the reason for that. I appreciate that. But at the same time, you know, that, like you said, that doesn't excuse what happened to the victim. That doesn't excuse all the stuff, all the transgression that he's possibly gotten away with over the years, all that type of stuff. And again, I, I said this also on my podcast. This is not really uncommon for someone in his position, like CEOs or whatever. When I said when I, I said this as a joke, but I meant it literally. Other people, uh, you know, are calling other other CEOs were calling and making sure of, of their situations. Are like, are we okay? We're fine. I don't, I don't. Do I need to drop off some cash and you know, something like that? Whatever it is, like I'm telling you, because I know how this works. But that doesn't excuse it and make it not, you know, or make it acceptable. So. At the end of the day, uh, this is just this is tough because like it, it because of who it is in this situation. But the moment the moment we start changing the goalpost because of who it is, then you know then we're gonna have chaos everywhere. So he definitely has to be held accountable. But whether or not he's gonna be out of the picture completely for WWE, I don't know, man. I, like you said, it's so hard to imagine him ever being completely out of the picture without him, you know, uh, being on to the next life. Yeah, and, and then again, this it, just to a purely kind of, uh, you know, creative standpoint, not anything else at this moment in time. Just looking at WWE TV or anything that's get processed and people saying Vince being moved or someone else coming into creative is going to make things better. But with Vince not there, we don't know what else he's stopping or what else, you know, there's control from TV executives or anything like this there. We could see more things, and it's kind of like, well, the devil you know rather than the devil you don't. But again, he's still the devil. You know? yeah. And I think anybody <laughs> in the past exactly. 25 years can look you know, at a whole list of things and think, you know, for Vince, he puts his company first. And that is you mm-hmm. know, quite worrying that he will go down with his ship, you know, um, but we'll, like said, <laughs> we'll go, yeah, you know, yeah. we'll go more into a deep dive. He's gonna hold that flag as they sink. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, deep dive into it a bit more. Like I said, in a couple of weeks. Uh, last bit of news um, from uh, today as well is we heard about the sad past David Hebner, and of course people might know Earl Hebner a little bit more. But of course, Dave Hebner as well was a former uh, WWE referee. Of course, starting. Uh, Classic showdowns between Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, WrestleMania 3, and the clash between Savage and Hogan at WrestleMania 5. And of course, the, one of the most uh, memorable moments in WWE history when Angelo Giant and Hogan met on the main event for the WWE title in 1988, which had the most 
viewers uh, ever. With Dave locked in a closet, Earl, the million dollar man, Ted Dobiossi, led a trap for the Hulks as Dave joined Earl in the ring. He made a follow Hogan scene double in disbelief. Um, and of course, Hebner would work for back, uh, WWE in backstage capacity up until 2005. Uh, but again, one of the most memorable <laughs> moments in professional wrestling, and Dave Hebner will be missed. Yeah, I agree, uh, man. Uh, I kind of, kind of, again, like you mentioned earlier, with all those stories, it's one of those things that really went under the radar. Usually, when we have a, a death in the community, you kind of can. You would hear more about it, but uh, again, I'm not surprised with just so much going on. It kind of, uh, you know, snuck in towards the end there. But uh, yeah, man, my condolences to the family. Uh, I'll never forget being confused as a child watching this clip of two Earl Hebners <laughs> in the ring, just being like, "What? what the, when, when did that happen?" And I went back many, many moons uh, later to check it out for myself and see what that was all about. So, uh, man. This is tough when the, a lot when these things happen. You know, you hate that, but uh, it's the circle of life. But yeah, uh, I do send my condolences to everybody. Without a doubt, sad time. As we move on to the latest on the WWE Network, uh, we did have a table for free drop in the last couple of days. It was a hurt business with Cedric Alexander and Bobby Lashley. Now, Monty, I know you've not caught it yet. Um, it's only 20 minutes long, but they'll talk about the kind of inspiration being between Suge Knight, Don King, and The Rock to become how Hurt Business came about. Um, more about <laughs> talking about bonding as well and the kind of putting the suit game on uh, and realising how good they looked. And one of the best stories as well, something to look out for, is them talking about spending time together and then trying to take each other down. Now, we, Bobby Lashley, of course, uh, with wrestling <laughs> training, Shelton Benjamin, but Cedric Alexander actually took Shelton Benjamin down. And they talk about this story. Shelton said, yeah, he was blindsided by Cedric, but did get taken down uh, once. But as Cedric said, he his mat wasn't even on the floor for two seconds before he's back <laughs> up again. And then Shelton and Bobby try to talk about wrestling each other. And Shelton accuses Bobby of holding the ropes one time where Bobby just looked at him and said, we can go again if you want. Again, there's something <laughs> <laughs> that I wouldn't mind watching, oh, you know, because we've, we've all heard the stories of Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar wrestling backstage. But may, imagine walking in on the Hurt Business doing that as well. Right. Oh, man, that would have been a sight. And I must say, uh, I've seen a lot of tweets talking about how they dropped the ball with them. So I, I, I'm assuming... This interview dredged up the right emotions in a lot of the fans because we, we still miss the Hurt Business, and we know they dropped the ball there. And It's good to see the, the, the camar- a little bit of the camaraderie that they had, though, as a group. And, uh, yeah, man, I can only imagine what Bobby versus Shelton would look like, you know, their amateur wrestling background. But I love it. I love the story of kind of like uh, the little brother finally getting one but then getting immediately humbled in Cedric. I like that. So, uh, yeah, this was, this seems like a great interview. Table for three always gets on my nerves because I feel like some of the best interviews are shortened. You know what I mean? Because like, I wish they just shows sometimes for plenty of their episodes in the past. I wish they were a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, WWE dropped the ball with the hurt big, and we all know it. Uh, I'm glad they got a chance to at least get that piece of content out there. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like I said, it could have been an hour and that still wouldn't have been enough. The other funny thing yeah. is watching how much Bobby's eating during it. Because, you know, sometimes the table three people are just having a chat. No, he's interested in the food as well. But when you're someone like his size, I guess you have to have about 80 million calories a day anyway. So, uh, But it is good stuff. Definitely something to check out on. We'll move on to the latest Broken Skull Sessions. Because hell had frozen over, apparently, because Jeff Jarrett, that's right, J-E-F-F-J-E-T-T, joined Stone Cold Steve Austin at Broken Skull Sessions, and they spoke about heat to begin with to the two. Now, I thought they were going to mention in 1999, but the fact that Austin didn't work with Jeff and didn't see him as a main event talent. But apparently it went even deeper with a story yeah. of working for Jeff's dad back in the USWA and the guaranteed $100 a night and actually getting paid 70 60 or $50, and Austin kind of being annoyed by this. But yeah, it's about, it's one of his favourite times, working at the Sportatorium and seeing how everybody kind of came about there. But again, this is what Stone Cold's so great about, where there's an issue, and he addresses it straight away, and actually makes it interesting. I mean, when you see like the video in the USWA of Double J and Austin Wrestling, you're thinking they've still got all this content that we haven't really seen. And like, you could even do a documentary <laughs> yeah. about it. You know, um, it was it, like I said, part of this is so interesting because Jeff Jarrett, obviously we kind of look at him in certain ways, but we kind of forget how long he's been doing it as well. I agree. Uh, yeah. I think this is a great reminder for me at just how long he was able to just stick around, you know, and be, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett and, Actually, matter of fact, I, you know, he has he's wrestled a match in this decade also. So it's funny how <laughs> how he just has continued to reinvent himself and keep going. But yeah, I love this intro too because uh, I I was like you. I heard the original story of just like Austin not believing, not liking him, or whatever it was, and not thinking he was worthy of the spot. But you know, finding out the other story, it just kind of made me think about that cla- the classic tale of how you. You know, you you tell one person one thing, then that person goes and tells the other person another. You know, and then they, it keeps going down the line, and then by the time it gets to like the twelfth person, the story is completely different. <laughs> and now it's just, and I think that's what that sounded like. It just sounded like a whole bunch of just storytelling, and then the two guys who are actually the objects of the story <laughs> is looking around like, "What? He got a problem with me?" And Jared's like, "What? Austin don't like me?" You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> It's just funny situation how they kind of got mixed up there, and uh, but yeah, I always thought I'm glad they acknowledged it too because I think that's probably the if you for for years now if you mention those two guys' name in the same sentence, that's what people talk about. Austin didn't want to work with them or whatever, you know. They so it's kind of cool that they got to knock that out the park and say no, there's no heat here. It never has been. So uh, you know that was nice. And uh, but you're right, the sheer amount of time that Jared has been in the business uh, <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> well, like I said, it, even like, you know, he he debuted in WWF December of 1993, you know, and when you think yeah. nearly 30 <laughs> years ago now, you know. I uh, was not born. It's, 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 that's just crazy, you know, <laughs> like uh, showing up with the roadie, of course, uh, Road Dog as it was, and with my baby tonight. And i got to tell, I have played that song <laughs> in its entirety on the podcast in the past. Um, you know, I just really, really <laughs> like that character. I see title reign, 
was kind of barely touched on them. I remember watching WrestleMania 11, not live, but the kind of VHS tapes and matches against Razor Ramon and kind of stuff like that. And obviously the In Your House match versus Shawn Michaels, which I think anybody that says Jeff's <laughs> not a good worker, yes, it's against... And this is another thing I liked. You know, you know, yes, it's a great match, but even both of them said, if you can't have a good match with Sean, you can't have a good match with anybody. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like the, the locker room, not necessarily knowing that he couldn't really sing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that little element of it was cool. And the fact that this was all, like, the thing that used to always get to me, get me about Jeff and then this character, was like, who the hell told him to wear that gear? Like, what is this? The hair and the gear? Like, what is what is he wrestling in? And then, of course, you come to find out, of course, it was all Vince. So, for the most part, <laughs> you know, the, the, the gear and all of that, the hat-jacket combo and all that, the strut with all Vince, because of course it's something that he would be into with the singing cowboy. But yeah, it was nice to get a little bit more insight into that. Cause that period was always interesting to me because I grew up, I was introduced to, you know, guitar carrying Deborah mm-hmm. next to him, Jeff Jarrett. That's the one I grew up uh, knowing about first before going back and watching WCW, watching, uh, you know, him uh, in his original WWE run too. So you know, uh, Jeff Jarrett has had uh, many. Like Jericho gets a lot of credit, but Jeff Jarrett has done it also. A lot of incarnations of him, a lot of different uh, promotions. So it's funny when you think about that. The, the move to WSW only there for a year after having success, you know, kind of title, and then decided just to move away uh, during yeah. the time it was the NWO as well, and of course. You know, with Flair, and he talks about, you know, touches on the relationship with the horseman. And then even I, who like kind of think, well, I know everything. Like the unknown Raw shoot promo that Jeff did, uh, you know, in the middle of 97, which I kind of thought that's completely gone under the radar, you know, even having to go at um, Jeff and stuff like this. And then the singlet and the NWA champion reign, which I think (laughs) everybody rightly forgets about. Tennessee Lee coming in. Uh, and trying to be his manager, but like you said, the haircut versus X Buck at SummerSlam—it changed yeah. things, and it turned into the "Don't piss me off" era. And then they do veer slightly, talk about tag team champions with Owen. Because when I first got into wrestling properly, like January '99, I was at Jeff and together as a team, uh, and I just thought, oh, that's kind of normal. And even Jarrett, you know, they talk about Owen Hart, what happened over over the edge. And he talks about it takes 19 years to kind of deal with. And even the story about the fall, which, you know, people have heard before, Jeff kind of even, but Jeff was walking with a ring with him. They'd found a little space to kind of get changed. And then someone mm-hmm. told Jeff he had to hit, do a promo. Why? It's Owen's match. You know, no, you've got to do a promo. And as he's doing it, he can see Owen being passed him on the car, you know, trying to resuscitate him. I mean, and then he has to go out and have a match. How the, how the fuck yeah. can you actually deal with... In all, you know, joking aside, even with wrestling, if it was right or wrong, like, I physically would just stop, you know? I, I, I wouldn't... For him to be able to go out and do it, it's just crazy, you know? And then saying we went out there, saw the dent in the ring and the blood, it's just, what the fuck, man, you know? Yeah, man. I, I That whole situation has always been one of those things that... I've never been able to just actually like stomach even the even Jr. having to talk to us and telling us about it 
like the way they did it and the fact that he had like I was just heartbroken because I couldn't I don't know how you could do it like as a commentator you get told you know you see what happened and all that just happened and now you know you have to come back and you have to calm the viewers down I get I don't even know how you how do you calm someone down like yeah man that whole situation I can only like I said kudos to everyone for continuing and and uh even though you know I don't I know we all a lot of us as fans definitely wish that it didn't continue and they probably wish that it didn't continue but kudos to them for getting through it because I can only imagine what it's like with, in being in them shoes like you said it's something that we can't you know, even fan for. I remember watching it live, and like I said, Jay, I was telling us. I mean, I was a kid at the yeah. time, thinking it was all part of the show with the Attitude Era. I will say something I've heard uh, from Jimmy Calderas actually about this moment as well is, um, I think this is on the Vice documentary about it. Uh, as Calderas uh, in the ring, and he can hear someone shouting, and he looks up and sees Owen Hart's fallen. Owen Hart's last act was to tell Jimmy to move because he was going to fucking fall on him, you know? And, and you talk about that as a man um, to be that. And that, as my dad would say, is heavy fucking metal, man. You know, and own heart. A lot of people talk about it, you know, and of course we've had AEW this year. But that is a moment that should never, ever be forgotten about, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's just something that, uh, yeah, shouldn't be forgotten about. I'll never forget it. And it's just... It's crazy, and like I can only imagine, like shit, that was that was his friend, and uh, he didn't even know until he got to the ring. It didn't really hit him, so it's just it's crazy, man. <laughs> like, yeah, man, I, I, I yeah, never forget that moment, and uh, I'm just glad that now, many many years later, his memories uh is still celebrated the way it should be. Yeah, well, one of the things I mean. Was scheduled to win the Intercontinental title from Godfather, but that went to Jeff Jarrett mm-hmm. the week later. And again, uh, matches, you know, below for the European Intercontinental title during mm-hmm. the summer of 99, used to start the pay-per-views and were really, really, you know, for me, entertaining. Uh, and then they moved on to Jeff Jarrett hating women and, of course, taking out Mae Young. We get another great Mae Young story of being told to be hit uh, as hard as possible. The same with Buddha as well. Uh, the good housekeeping match with China, which again really holds up. You know, I will say, how is the guitar a household item if the Intercontinental title was not? But then again, <laughs> I guess I'm still not over it. You know, 25 years later, whatever it is. Uh, of course, the story of No Mercy was Jeff Jarrett holding Vince up for cash because his contract right. had expired the day before, and he got paid 175 thousand dollars to do the show, uh, even though Jeff says. There's no hard feelings. We'll get on to that in a minute. The move to the WCW with his buddy Vince Russo, which he says is nothing to do with what happened, but he did have four world title reigns. And uh, Gary Coleman mm-hmm. as well, which I didn't know. I mean, what you talking about, Jarrett? That's what we had. The matches with DDP, and then the look at Bash of the Beach 2000, uh, with again... Uh, Jarrett laying down and telling us he hated that situation. I mean, yes, he got well title raised. Yes, he was paid a bit of money. But that whole WSW run towards the end just looks a complete disaster, you know? Oh, man. Trust me. I'm someone who actually, at, for, for my, and by the way, I'm, I apologize to myself. I actually watched 2000 to 2001 WCW. 
and went back to try to relive and see what was going so wrong. And, oh, it was as bad as it sounded. <laughs> it is, it, oh my God, it is bad. And he is, and unfortunately, my favorite, two of my favorite characters, uh, not mentioning Jeff Jerry, even though he was the world champion around the time, but two of my favorite characters happened during that era of WCW. That was Booker T, and that's when Scott Steiner kind of really started to come into his own as a, you know, just the, of course, Big Papa Pump, just being Scott Steiner. So, uh, you know, I do enjoy those moments from that time, but yeah, it, it was rough, and the laying down for Hogan stuff, you can tell, that was just, uh, it was it was horrible, like you said, bad TV. He looked like he didn't like it when it was going, like he, was, he looked disgusted. He used the word disgusted. If you run the tape back of how that whole thing played out, he was definitely disgusted. And uh, the fact that it still sticks with him today kind of is uh, one of those things. But, uh, yeah, man, as far as, like, whether or not Jeff was a big star in WCW, that second run because of Vince Russo, I would say, of course, it has something to do with it. Uh, But the funny thing about that is he kind of mentioned that earlier because he said earlier when he he wanted to leave WWF at the time, it was because he only it was like it was only one boss, basically. You know, he knew he knew where he stood with Vince. But in WCW it wasn't necessarily like that. And you kinda you get that necess- you get one of those people who favor you, uh, he's not gonna turn down <laughs> becoming a four time, four, five time yeah. world champion. So I don't blame him at the at the same time. But yeah, it was definitely probably due to uh Russo being the booker there, you know, because it was a mess anyway. Like the year two thousand and the world championship getting passed around, like oh, it was yeah, it was crazy. Trust me. I have PTSD. <laughs> well, Vince then obviously buying WCW in a promo, mentioning Jeff Jarrett and saying mm-hmm. there's no chance to play. But Jeff's going, No, we cool. Me and Vince me and me and Vince are good. It's like we're joking. You know, yeah, we he had did. a hug and me. shit. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, he hugged me. I'd started my own company just because I was fucking with Vince. You know, I was in contact <laughs> all the time. Uh, they talked about TNA for, what, five minutes maybe? Yeah, uh, not uh, much at all. Yeah. And then on to Global Force Wrestling. Remember that, boys and girls? Uh, <laughs> and then talking about, obviously, problems, demons, drinking, and getting through that into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then, of course, the last the legacy. And what's really weird as well, talk about history repeating itself, is Jeff Jarrett has recently put into position of power, um, taken right. from Stephanie, you know, the kind of live <laughs> events and stuff like this. What's even stranger is back in 92 when a steroid trial was just taking steam, uh, Vincent Mann put Jerry Jarrett in charge, and we said to him, if anything happens, you will be running the show. And it is weird that we wow. go 30 years later and the son is in the same position in WWE now. Uh, (laughs) yeah well the Jarrett's again another family Cody always says there's more than one royal family in wrestling (laughs) but the Jarrett's have had their fingerprints on the business for the past 40-50 years uh, and even now into the future and Jeff you talk about TNA he's the one that keeps coming around and even when you think oh he's done and finished even with problems (laughs) with Vince Back in 99, still into the Hall of Fame and still in position uh, because he's Jarrett. But again, Stone Cold in this brought out the very best in Jeff mm-hmm. Jarrett. And it is a monthly pleasure to watch it, no matter who's the guest. But I think this month, it really hit the mark. Yeah, I agree 100%. Austin is really, always really good at, like you said, 
getting the, the most out of uh, a lot of the people he's interviewing. But also, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me. But uh, I really, really enjoy when Austin has someone that was in his era of wrestling. Not to say he those other interviews are not as good because I love, like, different interviews. Like, for example, Lita was in his era, but at the same time she had a big chunk of her career not in his era. And I still liked that interview, too. But when the people who had a lot of their run next to Austin, he seems to really get in his you know, he pulls out his best stories and all of that, too. And he gets a lot of great stories out of those guys because he, I guess it's because he know how they tick a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, still, I love this interview. This was this was a good time. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, we look forward to next month's edition. And now we have got one episode of 2.0 to catch up with, unfortunately. Uh, June 14th. We started with the tag team titles on the line as the Creed Bros beat Mallet Blade and Edris Anoffi. And just when you and I start saying we like a team, uh, they, they, get, they get absolutely destroyed. But it's quite a competitive match in its own way, wasn't it? Yeah, I agree 100%. It's funny, though, like, you know, talking about how uh, much we actually enjoyed them. Uh, and, uh, seeing them in this situation and immediately was fun. But I thought this was, you know, not bad. Typical tag match story, but it's still, you know, a good form. You know, it's one of those classic formulas that works. It's like it's tried and true because it works. You know what I mean? So I thought this was simple but not bad at all. And, uh, yeah, this was uh, enough because they are fighting the tag champs. This is uh, a step up, I think, still for Idris and Malik. Yeah, I think about that. We get Fallon Henley beating Tiffany Stratton. Thanks for his traction by Wendy Chu. Looks like Chu's moved on now. Uh, Wesley beats Zahn Quinn. It, I think an interesting twist to this story because I all thought Wesley would be the full guy, but it was kind of Zahn sure. Lee that got taught a lesson this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised too uh, because, uh, you know, I'm not really, you know, surprised of how, it, you know, how it worked out, like the short, like the way the match went. But as far as like the result and all that, yeah, definitely uh, shocking here uh, with Quinn sneaking out there. Yeah, it'll be interesting because he's definitely got the look, but you just worry when he's getting beaten like this, you think, oh, he's going to be the next round of cuts then, I guess. But then we got to be... You never know. Yeah, it's so <laughs> up and down. Like, you're right. He looks like money, but it's like, is he there enough? in the ring to them and like can you trust him going forward i don't think we there yet (laughs) well joe gacy put over his future plans for the dyad came out to dominate for him the unnamed hooded man controlled dantley chen and javier barnell for hitting an elevated ddt for the victory now it is tough to wrestle with hoods on (laughs) like full on out didn't they just put masks you know i don't know why they just yeah Really, like, no match. No one decided to just try that. It just seemed like it would be so much simpler. And the only thing I could think about after watching this match was that they are soaked under that because it just looked hot. It looked like very, very – like, I don't look comfortable at all to be wrestling in. I'll say that much. Right, Mike. Mike. Oh, for fucking Mike. Right on time. There you go. It could, last week, not an issue. Oh, well, hang on. Fuck uh, it. Uh, 
There we go. All right. Yeah. yeah, it's stupid for fucking happens. <laughs> on I just, I couldn't it, man. You're slipping. You can't see. It's like, what are you trying to do? Um, talking about stupid, Tony D'Angelo gave two times the stacks promotion. <laughs> Hang on a minute. He just got fired. Um, right. It's getting promoted. Uh, they so forced Wildman Escobar to shake his hands, but Hayes and Trick Williams interrupted after Don mentioned winning the North American title, announced he would challenge Mello next week. Stax and Two Dives then talked away into a tag match against Mello and Trick, which the cha- uh, which the A champ won. Uh, Tony D going to fuck up Carmella Hayes now. I mean, <laughs> what do you reckon of that? Right? I honestly thought, like, I don't, you know what, the thing that confused me the most was that, you know, I thought we were, thought this was time to, you know, go ahead first into the solo train, right? But, you know, whatever. I guess we can go here next. I, I, I'm hoping Melo survives this, but, hey, I can't guarantee nothing anymore. Well, let's hope they don't replace two dimes with Trick Williams and try and swerve us in that way, eh? Oh, like, God, no. My God. No. Um, Duke Hudson, uh Got Goldberged by Bron, uh, which <laughs> the only way to describe it. For you. Excellent. We do like that. Uh, <laughs> but then Cameron Grimes arrived in the arena, called Breakers Success Nepotism, and challenged him to a title match okay. at NXT Great American Bash on July 5th. Now, I know you're happy seeing Cameron Grimes, but I think he's got a few no, daddy no. issues. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, and also, another thing is, what are they doing? Because surely Grimes will be cheered more than Bron. So you're just putting him in a situation like Grimes was just in with Solo, but the other way around. Exactly. I 100% agree. Like, that's the only thing, only problem I have about this. As much as I, as much as I think we would both be excited about this because we know Grimes would kill a, a legitimate match, even in this capacity for the championship, storyline-wise and logic-wise when it comes to booking, it makes no sense at all. Like I said, we th- I thought, and maybe I was wrong, they just wanted to get that belt off them because of, maybe that's what it was. Maybe they just wanted to get that belt off them because the world title picture is just so thin. They they were like, you know, but I, I was thinking that it was to protect him from Solo, but you still put him in the situation with Solo. He comes out. He, I guess I, that sounds very heelish to me with the nepotism and all of that, the way he was kind of talking. So uh, he's sick of catchphrases and gimmicks now. So you know what that means? They end up doing it anyway. So it's like, <laughs> where, where are we going? So I think it has to be just because they were so thin in that world title division. They want to finally give us a contender who uh, could actually give him a really, really good match. The problem is, I don't think either one, none of us will believe in him winning this title, right? Though, no, no, unless sorry. it's hard to right yeah. after you know just. Dropping the belt like he did so easily. It's hard to take him seriously there. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, it's so erratic. And, you know, it seems like they don't have a plan for him. That's what made me worry about future so much because they don't seem like they really know what they want to do. But what I did like about Grimes, and like I said, it's, it's more heel side. But yeah. he basically um, Carlito'd someone, a bit like Ric Flair did back in the day. Right. Uh, went up to it just an offie and Mallet Blade, who were ready to leave for the club. Grimes stopped him. He told both men, especially an offie, he could be the best in the business, but he's just not hungry enough. He needs to succeed because he's a loser. 
uh, I thought this was really strong stuff. And I think Idris as well could, you know, like I said, he looks like a million dollars, as they say. Yeah. There's no excuse for this. And maybe this is Grimes' thing of, like, saying to people, you know, yeah, you look like this, but I've had to work for my position, which, again, I don't mind. Because Grimes would always give 100%. Yeah. Uh, 100%. That's what I'm saying. I think the, the only thing, that's why I'm just baffled at how inconsistent the booking is with him. As far as like what he's gonna do with the execution of it, I always I seen this coming that a character change was going to have to happen because they like you said they blended him out so much. So as soon as he started to actually find you know finally get a little bit of leeway again, you starting to already see again why we like him so much. <laughs> so uh, I don't know, man. I wish him nothing but the best. I think this will be fun, uh, a good run uh, if they you know depending on where they want to go with this. And but I do I agree I do like a little bit of that. If he leans more into that side, and that's just who he's going to be going forward, especially with all the young talent he's going to be facing uh, in two point I think that's a great uh, direction. We then see uh, Fabian Eichner redebuting as Giovanni Vinci. Vinci. Uh, do you know what? I cannot remember seeing his smile. You know, I don't know, I don't know what they've done. But it's <laughs> even like, are you sure that's the same guy? Because like, fair, huh? just, I've, I never saw his teeth in the past three and a half That's, years. But think about it. Has Imperium ever... I'm, I can't yeah. think of any time when they were a group where they had something to smile at. Well, I mean, they won, they won and wasn't smiling. They yeah, they're kind of, you know, confident <laughs> smirk, maybe, but never a right, right. smile. Never and, like a, yeah, yeah, Guru Raj was blinded by Vinci's teeth, it looked like. But um, <laughs> Vinci... Took him out, uh, winning with an elevated power bomb, and again we've seen it so. Much, you know, win three or four, whatever. See what's next. You know, we'll, we'll see what the, the greater plan is. And then the main event: Toxic Attraction versus Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, and Indy Hartwell. Again, not a bad main event. Jade hit a diving senton on Dolin, um, and it looked like she was actually <laughs> had the wind knocked out of him. Roxanne Perez, considering she's what twenty years old. Took nice care, turning Gigi, just going for the pin to finish it like that. Um, and again, but Toxic Attraction, their time is up, isn't it? You know, I mean, we we can't have this. <laughs> for, for, yeah, oh no, it's running right out. Yeah, they, it's not even just that. And the sad thing is, it's so, like, their time is up, but it's just like for the sheer amount. It's not even that I find them insufferable like I've seen some people do. It's just more so like it's no one else. There's nothing else for you to even do now. <laughs> like it's just like you you've beaten everyone, and it's like they they don't have much to offer when it comes to teams. But yeah, yeah, that time has been up in my opinion, and uh, hopefully, uh, whenever they lose at this time, it'll stay up. But uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Other than the finish being odd, though, I thought this match was pretty cool. Uh, like you said uh, earlier. Uh, Still a good main event to uh, finish off the show. Uh, I don't know. Do you think, like, I, is, will it be Cora and Indy? Like, will they be the ones to do it? Like, or, you know, it has to be them. That's what you're saying? <laughs> well, it's, uh, the, the thing is, with Indy being there, it's interesting. But I think maybe Jade and Perez going for the tag titles. And then, like we say, Alba yeah. Fire. I mean, this is a dream scenario. Ooh, yeah. Alba That's Fire uh, going mm-hmm. for... Um, Obviously, Mandy Rose and getting the job done, whether that happens in your house or 
whatever next special premium event. I think that's the kind of goal. And then try to build back yeah. the women's division in NXT is kind of not my favourite at this moment in time. So it's oh, going to be man. interesting. They do you remember when it's... Do you remember when we started these pods? Mm. And like I used to say that you can put the NXT women's division up against you know anybody around the world. Yeah, that we've a long way from that. So we move on to NXT UK. And like we said, five episodes to catch up on. We start May 19th. Of course, Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness on commentary previewing the dog collar match main event. But we start with tag team action and Mel and Angel Hayes versus Zia Brookside and Eliza Alexander. And the French Open tossed Brookside around while yelling she wanted a piece of Alexander, uh, who came in and started battering Hayes alongside Brookside until she created some space to manage to get a tag team. Mel, who decimated both her opponents with a fast and furious flurry of offense for launching Hayes onto mm-hmm. Brookside for an assisted top rope splash. After Brookside hung Hayes up on the ropes, Alexander snuck into the behind the referee's back, soften Hayes up for broken wings and a pinfall. Uh, what did you think of this match? Yeah, man, it was kind of slow at first, but, you know, decent to me. I think he got on a, a nice little pace after a while, and everyone looked good here. You know, I'm not, I don't even know if Angel Hayes is, uh, you know, I don't even know if she's even under contract, but she was solid here. Maybe she is, but uh, I think she's she looked pretty good here at times. You know, uh, but this was the most simple, you know, way I think to continue this feud when it comes to Brookside and Amel and uh, Eliza. So this was cool. Yeah, without doubt. Like Mel's connecting with the crowd a lot more now, and Hayes has upside, just needed to kind of develop the cats. Both had matching outfits, which I like. And with Alexander, we now have a smasher, another character in this stacked women's division. She might not have finesse. Uh, finesse, but she's off to a good start, even losing part of her extension. I don't know if I'm going crazy, but there's an argument for women's tag division. <laughs> I know I'm dreaming, and I'm not slowly <laughs> calm, but I'm thinking, you know, Brookside and, um, like I said, Alexander make a really, really good team. But in case of maybe creating another yeah. title, just move them up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just about to say, or like Toxic Attraction finally have somebody else to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that is true. Well, we get Ivy Nile entering uh, Mika's dressing room requesting a title match, which Satmo, of course, uh, gladly accepted. And I loved the smile for Miko, which is kind of like, oh, youngling, you don't know what you've done. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You was nice and respectful, but you were about to get killed. <laughs> uh, Shah Samuels accused Damon Kemp of disrespecting him in front of Valash Legend. Uh, and then we gave, uh, get the familiar team in a row Raja versus Dave Mastiff and Stars. Uh, Mastiff and Stars pummeled Raja until Charlie Dempsey jumped up to pull the attention off Mastiff. He managed to avoid the attempt dropkick by Team in on the apron, but could not avoid Raja's chop block from behind. And they focused their efforts on Mastiff's legs, chopping down the big man, putting stars off the apron to prevent him from making a tag. But Mastiff battled way through the tandem low to get a tag into the fired-up stars, who cleared house, uh, turned his attention to boisterous Dempsey at ringside, flattering him with an over-the-top rope splash. Raja Timmer took advantage of the distraction by tossing stars in the ring post for rolling back in the ring for a modified DDT to record the victory. Uh, I don't know about you, but Jack Styles was challenging Butch Dunn in this match. 
<laughs> That's fair. It's a fair point. He, uh, this was solid, though, man. Textbook uh, NXT tag match to me, man. I thought, uh, you know, obviously with the story they told, Charlie ended up being the difference maker outside the ring there. But uh, I star, star, man, he really lost his way there over that vest, huh? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Uh, that was an interesting way to execute that distraction, I guess. Uh, I didn't think he would get so so emotional that he would just stop a finishing move <laughs> <laughs> just to attack the guy who, uh, you know, messed up his vest. But, you know, this was fine. I didn't mind Tillman winning here. So I uh, thought this all worked out fine, uh, even though I did think that spot was a little goofy. Yeah, I mean, Anger got the best of Jack there, would be fair to say. Uh, but the right <laughs> team won. I wouldn't mind seeing these two clash again. Uh, Lash Legend gave an interview which she spoke about a future opponent, Emilia McKenzie. McKenzie overheard an attack legend. Fair play. Sid Scaler approached Steve Familiar and said he was unhappy how he won the match. Uh, he said that Tim and Raj would be banned for ringside when Dempsey faces A-Kid next week. Sid is still pissed from that contract signing. He really is. We get Kenny Williams versus Josh Morrell. And Morrell's momentum was short-lived as Williams hung him up on the ropes for hammering him with a flurry of right hands. The cockfights tried to focus on picking apart his opponent, but he continued to be distracted after seeing multiple masked figures watching for around the arena. Morrell looked to take the absent minor superstar by surprise, but Williams was able to quell his momentum each time. And Pedro Morrell with shoulder block to the knee for partnering him with bad luck to score the 1-2-3. But I am really digging this story. I agree. It's the little things too. I mean, I love how he how every week, you know, he gets more and more <laughs> flustered. You can just see it, like the even the aftershave or whatever. You know what I'm saying? The way he walks out to the ring, you can see it with Kenny Williams. That uh, you know, the paranoia is taking a toll on him. And uh, I, I like what they're doing with the mad men on the outside, even with the mind games. And I, I enjoy. The fact that he still win, uh, won here because, you know, a lot of times when when, these, when something like this goes on, you get a distraction to that level. Usually they uh, end up getting upset, something like that most of the time. But he, he still kept his focus and was able to win. So I thought this was acceptable. Pretty good uh, next step in, you know, what they're trying to tell, the story they're trying to tell here. Yeah, without a doubt. The masked members of the crowd were actually quite creepy as well. Uh, we get Trent <laughs> Seven cut yeah. promo. Saying he was confident that Mustache Mountain would win the Triple Threat Tag Team Championship match, retaining their goal. While the bait with minus seven didn't need to be pinned to lose a toll. Seven said he was wise and suggested they talk tactics. And then Mark Andrews previewed the dog collar match, uh, main event, until he was distracted by Kenny Williams. And just told Williams they had a lot of enemies, uh, which again is this is showing kind of Kenny Williams losing the plot a little bit, but this is why when you have right. so many enemies, you don't know what position they're going to come from. Uh, Eddie Dennis music hit, but he didn't show. We saw Dennis at Gorilla position refusing to come to ringside while Boa chased him to the BT studios, hit a tope to knock him down, and Boa beat Dennis around ringside for finally connecting the chain to actually start the match. Uh, they used the chain to repeatedly launch each other into the ringside barricade, Dennis pulled Wild Boar into the ring post as well. He used the steel chain to lock him in the corner, hammering away at the former minion until Wild Boar broke free by putting Dennis into the ring post. Uh, in sense, Wild Boar whacked Dennis across the back with steel chain over and over again until Primate Tebow ran out to help the leader. Wild Boar speared Tebow enough the apron and continued to keep the pressure on Dennis, rolling up for a near fall as Primate broke the pin 
with a flying headbutt. And as Dennis Primate looked to join forces, while Ball fought off Lejo, looked at the crossface submission, wrapping the steel chain around Dennis's face to force a tap out. Yes, while Ball was the main guy in symbiosis, by the look, because he just took the other fucking three down. Um, <laughs> <but> yes. <laughs> Dennis gets his comeuppance. What are your thoughts on this? And this was a uh, really, really uh, fun to watch. I must say, though. We see a lot of dog collar matches these days, man. They're getting really popular. and But I was proud that they decided to try to do it a little bit different. You know, uh, I guess you can call this a PG version of one because it wasn't, like, as bloody or as bad as some of the other ones I'm thinking of in my mind. Uh, but this was this was really good. It had the brutality, and it didn't drag on like some of those other matches uh, do. And, man, Borg getting his revenge with the deck stacked against him, I mean, that's a good look. He looked he looked really good there. Like you said, like as far as that faction goes or that group, we know, like you said, who made them go. It was it was wild board, uh, <laughs> because they they had the advantage and still couldn't get the job done. So yeah, man. This was a good look for Borg. Without doubt. I mean Eddie, running like any good hill should do, that's fine. Talked about yes. if he gained more muscle, <laughs> he really could be a monster and we don't normally do dog collar it's more kind of the old chain around the wrist so it's weird to see in WWE kind of both neck yeah and that's as fair well. uh, maybe not the strongest show but the stories do continue and May 26th we start with Mark Coffey versus Saxon Huxley uh, Huxley finds himself up to deliver trio knees to Coffey's midsection but Coffey battled back to drop the massive Huxley with a clubbing blow and the Gallus boy kept the momentum rolling off side with a sit down powerbomb Plantling Huxley with a side slam and a running forearm to on the one, two, three. Afterwards, Coffey looked to the camera and dedicated his victory to his brother, Joe. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on this? Because some might say it was filler, but is this the start of Mark's single run and Joe's kind of return, be kind of building interest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is definitely something for Mark. I, I definitely wrote that down. We're setting up a single, like we're going to set up a single run for Mark here. Uh, while his brother's on hiatus, and I just wrote that I, we need to keep an eye on that because uh, I, I think it's definitely something there when it comes to uh, him dedicating it to his brother and the fact that his brother's on hiatus anyway was due to his frustrations with their chemistry. So it's, it's definitely a slow burn. Uh, we'll see what, what happens as time goes on. The match itself, though, was fine. I, I didn't have a problem with it. You're right possibly can be considered filler, but I think it is establishing something, and I will tell you more later because I have a theory. Oh, well, <laughs> Ivy Nile has a site set on Miko. Uh, she said, no one can match her in NXT UK. I'm sorry, dear. This is the wrong place to have that argument. You're probably thinking about 2.0. Uh, the <laughs> mighty Sam Gradwell was putting himself through torture by one fucking Wagner matches. Not highlights, because nothing is highlights from him. Our Sam is not worried about this big yogurt. Uh, Lash Legend versus Amir <laughs> McKenzie. Legend controlled the match with repeated slams. Uh, but McKenzie managed to get back into it, sending Legend reeling with a series of uppercuts and a net breaker. Uh, but Legend uh, got flattened with a dive as well, followed close by a spear for a pair of near falls. McKenzie continued to take it to the opponent, but Legend caught with a massive pump kick out of nowhere to score the pinfall. Um, what were your thoughts? 
Yeah, man. I, I worked for Millie McKenzie. Then. I thought she worked her she worked her ass off here to try to. She gave her best shot, you know. But I don't think she could save this. Uh, Lash is just everything she has as far as like in her repertoire moves wise is generic. I do. I don't mind the, the pump kick, but it's just I have to. I have to be honest. You know, a lot of her, her power moves and all that are, you know, very very generic and basic. But uh, I do think it sucks for McKenzie here to lose this match to someone she not only is like obviously in a better place than uh, you know professionally, but she's losing this match after I remember vividly telling you about how, you know, it has been stopping start for her, but like she was on a winning streak and just taking down a lot of people. We had this little thing going on, so it's just kind of funny. Like, I think, I don't know if this is her first match, but it's, it has to be close to Last Legend's first NXT UK match, so for her to lose uh, here to Last Legend, oh, man, it was tough, but, you know, uh, it, it, it is what it is. I keep telling myself, give Last Legend time. But man, they do not do her uh, many favors in the position that they put her in. But this well, is possible. Even on two point or five, I think it might have been the UK, and it's talking about how good she was at basketball. Well, keep playing basketball yeah. there. Don't try wrestling. <laughs> like you've told us, twenty years you wanted to be great at basketball. Well, fucking keep doing that. You know, like I don't understand. Millie had her worker <laughs> boots on, but at the moment, and I will update at the end of the show with scores. But right now, NXT UK 0, oh, 2.0 no. on 5. All right, so we are 5 nil uh. down at this moment in time. Mad Kenny, he wants to know, stalking him a man. I'd be happy to rub this point in, as we know. And then Shah Samuels versus Damon Kemp. And Samuels hammered away at Kemp targeting his left arm and shoulder. But Kemp smartly rolled out of the way for a second top row elbow drop, pick up steam. With Fireman's carry takedown and a series of belly to belly suplexes. After rolling slammed by Kemp Dar, roped the American's foot with his towel to cause a moment of distraction, which allows Samuels to race in and deliver a ring shaking spine buster for the win. Yes, Britain's best. Give him a knighthood, <laughs> Sir Shah Samuels. We were 0 and 5, but now we have got our first victory. And Shah has approved <laughs> that statement as well, replying to us on Twitter. So, yes, the best British wrestler in the world, Shah Samuels. What are your thoughts on this match? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this was less than five minutes, but it was not a squash to me. I thought it was really, really competitive. You know, Shaw got his offense in. Kemp, you know, persevered. With you know his explosive offense, so I, I, don't, I don't really mind Kemp as much here because I actually I'll get to that more later. But I actually like what they do with him do with him more over in the UK uh, than what they've done with him so far in 2.0. Uh, but either way it goes, Noam Dar, by the way, old Shaw for all of his great corner man tactics <laughs> over the last few months. So it was, it was nice to see him return the favor here. So it was good stuff uh, all around uh, for me with this, even though it wasn't uh, like a classic or anything. What do you mean not a classic? The first British wrestler to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest achievement. You know what? You're right. That is a special moment. It, it, is... it adds a little bit to it. You're right. That's Look right. what they do to Butch. <laughs> Look what they did to Vaulty. You know, like, you come on. we got to have a victory. <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, the main event was good enough for anybody. Charlie Dempsey versus oh, A-Kid. I mean, these two technical superstars counter-reverse multiple submission attempts. 
with a jogging position with Dempsey kicking out of a unique pen attempt right as the bell rang to signal the end of the first round. Aiken attempted to wear down Dempsey in the second round, but a newest member, Dee Familia, countered each attempt with a suplex to regain control. The technical muffs class between superstars continued into the third round until Dempsey had enough and levelled Aiken with a flying uppercut. That's right. Third round was the first strike hit. After a devastating suplex, Dempsey went to lock in his bow and arrow submission and Aikid wisely tapped out before he could fully cinch it in. How devastating does that fucking submission look? Yeah, I know, I, I know, it's like yeah. dexterity, but man, you know? It hurts me to watch it. I think that says it all. <laughs> well, realising his situation, Aikid came out kicking in the fourth round as the two traded mm-hmm. strikes in the centre of the ring. The Spanish sensation kept the pressure on with Dempsey, with a flurry of suplex for catching Dempsey in midair for a sleeper hold. Both competitors fought for control until Aikid earned the upper hand, sent Dempsey fine with another suplex for tagging him with a pinpoint flying kick to earn the pinfall. Calls tied at one fall of piece. Aikid took the fight right to Dempsey at the start of the fifth round. Aikid tried to force a tap out from Dempsey with serious submissions, but the bruiser continued powered out survived a flurry of offence, including a stunning moonsault DDT in the few seconds left to make it to the sixth round. And as the bell rang for the final round, Aiken flew for a brutal drop quick in the corner and a pair of suplexes. Dempsey crawled to his corner to grab his towel and a pair of hidden brass knuckles. More on that in a minute. Uh, tossing the weapon to Aiken in the hopes of getting disqualified. Aiken pleaded his case for the referee. Dempsey snuck into the vicious right hand before slinging Aiken over his shoulders with flex, holding for the pinfall to earn the second and deciding decision. Uh, first up, what yeah. did you think of this match? Because this, I was drooling at this match. <laughs> yeah, incredible. I, I actually, this is this is one of those matches that uh, it was like I've done it a couple of times. When I'm reviewing something for this. And I was just like, I'm cutting. I'm I'm locking my screen on my uh, on my iPad that I write my notes on, and I'm just gonna watch. I'm just gonna look at it because. That's just how fun, how much fun this was, man. It was just, it was so good. I, I wanted to remove myself, the the um, the journalist or the critic or whatever. I wanted to remove that, and then just be the be a fan for this because this is just good stuff, man. Like, I, I wrote down Noam Dar should be worried because Dempsey would be perfect for the cup if he ever wanted it. First of all, and uh, the knuckles, man, I popped so hard for seeing the knuckles because I was just like, ah, oh, rasp it down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I love that he used it differently. It wasn't in the typical. It wasn't a straight up nod. It was like a great distraction to use. Uh, it just worked out perfectly. I also loved the story that him using that tactic to win at the end there played into what was going on because if you've been paying attention this entire time, A Kid has been kind of talking to Dempsey like he he expects better from him. Like you don't really want to do this and that. You don't need different. He's trying to get him away from the from different meal. Uh, but, you know, Charlie's showing him that I don't need them to <laughs> do my own thing. And, you know, if I have to cheat, I will do it myself. So I kind of like that, like how what the story of this match kind of symbolized, too, while also just being six rounds of just beautiful wrestling. This was good fun, man. This is NXT UK at his, its best right here. It, I tell you what, and, and again, it's because, you know, close association with Bet. When I hear people going, Oh, this match on this show, or this wrestler here, and usually with AEW going like, oh, how good this is! If there's nothing like this anywhere, just feels like I want to put 
you know, a video of this in front of them go, just watch that, all right? Like, you telling fucking me right. that, that's, look how good that is. Like, and just because people aren't maybe paying attention, these two guys here are probably two of the best technical guys on in the fucking world, not just like the kind of NXT UK roster. That's what's weird about it. And like you said, it's it's even the weird things like legs on the cover rather than just getting the shoulder up, you know? It was so smooth. Right. It's all gravy, you know, and there's nothing like Dempsey. Not since I first saw Pete Dunne have I saw a wrestler that there's that he doesn't do wow. anything I dislike. You know, there, there is so That's much true. about him. He must have borrowed them brass He's knuckles. Awesome. He must have borrowed them brass knuckles from someone. I don't know. But <laughs> it's even the power of the punch as well. You know, to get that in, to show, well, he's, he has got right. quite a big shot. Well, I wonder who he got that from as well, you know. Uh, it was just all together fantastic. <laughs> yeah, man, just, I agree. Uh, it's so funny to me because I was expecting him because of just not knowing much about him going into it. I was just like, ah, okay, well, he's young. You know, he's he has the has a, has probably going to have a great foundation, but going to have to give him time. I don't necessarily know how much time Dempsey needs. Like, he's damn good. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, it's, it's scary how good he is already. And we yeah. don't even know how old he is. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> it's crazy. We don't even know how old he is. But we're talking about he could fit perfectly into Heritage Cup. But when you look at, you know, either Dragunov and we talk about, well, the NXT title, UK title needs to be defended. Yeah. Who's next in line? Dempsey not only could be a challenger, but you think as future oh, champions, man. who else is there? Yes. Oh, to, yeah. You know, and that kind of gets it as well about thinking, yeah, see how far. Like, yeah, see, go. I was moving in steps. I was thinking like cup mm. now, dragging off down the line, but I'm on, I'm, I'm right on the same thinking of you. He's world title. Yeah. He's UK championship bound. He has to be, man. Without, without a shadow of it. And it'd be interesting to see now as well. What happens to Aikid? We saw him touching 2.0, but I don't know if that was more an introduction to others like Nathan Fraser to get him kind of over in the spot than it is Aikid. But again, it'd be interesting to see. I just hope they don't waste a talent like Aikid. You know, it mm-hmm. is, it'll be interesting to see. Um, we'll move on to June 2nd. And again, another thing about NXT UK being a knowing hour, concentrates on certain things. And today, it's all about tag team gold. Uh, before we get there, though, the thunderstorm Sam Gradwell <laughs> defended Britain's honour as he faced Von fucking Wagner. Um, this was an absolute travesty. I will say Gradwell uh, <laughs> controlled the vast majority of this match. He managed to hit Wagner with a thunderous body slam. Uh, he kept his foot in the gas with a suplex. Um, but Wagner did pick up Sam where Gradwell to throw him to the stands. But Gradwell jumped off mm. and onto Wagner's back for a sleep. Ben answered Wagner hoisted the fight Gradwell on his shoulders for a swinging power slam. But <laughs> Sam didn't look out of place here. But I hate the fact he lost to Von fucking Wagner. Uh, and Von Wagner then goes 2.0 and gets jobbed out by fucking other twats. Um, I, again, I hated this. <laughs> I can't, no positives. There was no positive from it. 
So this is what I wrote because I a hundred percent was in the same mode as you. I was like, this is sad. I should have skipped it, but I just had to see him beat Gradwell because I knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh of course he did his typical boring Wagner, whatever he does in the ring stuff, but you know, the thing about this is that Gradwell seemed to be coming into his own, like on NXT UK television again before they got the same thing I was saying about Amelia McKenzie, like I said. Uh, before this, I felt like she was on. She was doing. She was building something. I'm not sure exactly where they wanted to go with it, but it was something built. And maybe they're still building it. They're just doing it, you know, di- a little bit different now. Another one of those slow burns. But Gradwell again just came off the stuff with Williams. Just seemed to be revitalized on the new track. And then you you throw him right into this mess with him, and he loses easily, pretty much. Even though, I, like you said, he did give a fight. And he did control most of it. This was just disappointing. So I know what it was like for you. I wrote that down because I knew if I was disappointed, <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is the worst type of booking where you you get someone down. And if anybody ever disagrees with the fact that WWE don't listen to this podcast, then why <laughs> else would they put Von Fucking Wagner? When they had everybody else on that roster, you pick Sam Gradwell. I just fuck you. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and then guess what? Stevie Turner's right on right yeah. after this. Yeah, I know. I know. And like they they hated you this right. episode. It was just a tag match. Uh, well, we get Cartman Smith warming up backstage. Then we get Brookside and Alexander Rock up the performance center. As they uh, get quizzed about questionable tactics, and Mel interrupts as Brayton about not being able to do it. So, I guess we're going to get another tag match soon. Uh, Ivory Nile video package as they hype up her match against Miko next week. Mark Andrews interviewed outside the performance centre about his match with Kenny Williams next week when he stops to have a scrap with Kenny. He was apparently letting one of his tyres down. Uh, there's one, that's one of these things. It's like, what are you starting at me? Well, I'm only letting your tyres down. What are you talking about? Um, and there's a masked men in the background, of course. Um, uh, like we talk about. Up oh, I popped so hard. I popped for that because he he was like, "What are you doing? What do you mean? What do you look like you doing?" <laughs> Hilarious. Caught red-handed. Uh, we see <laughs> Stevie Turner uh, versus, uh, of course, Hayes mm-hmm. in the next match. Uh, Hayes stunned Turner with a jawbreaker and a sling blade, and she looked to keep momentum going, but Turner pulled of her tights to slow her down for delivering another huge boot to set up Hayes for the Mass Effect and the Pinfall. I mean, Stevie <laughs> needed that win. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you what else. NXT UK looks after its women's division because Stevie Turner was anywhere else. She would not be getting <laughs> match time on TV. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this was passable. This was tough. This was, I, was, I didn't have a problem. It didn't last too long. It went by quickly. And like like you said, Hayes is solid too. So this wasn't bad. Uh, I, they, they the commentary team made me think that we may have to keep an eye on Stevie going forward. But I don't know if you know what that actually entails. So we'll see. <laughs> well, we see Mackenzie apologizing to Mika Satmore for losing to Lash Legend, and Mika mm-hmm. just says to her, be better, be better. 
That's what I'm saying. It's like maybe they still building it. <laughs> because that's what I was thinking anyway. Little student master uh thing. But yeah, that was I was surprised. I was like, really? <laughs> but I guess I get it because Lash is that bad. It's like, yeah, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, have you not seen how shit she is? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? We then get an East End bookie as we're in the locker room with Samuels and Dar. Shaw announced they're taking Wolfgang and Kemp in two weeks. And Dar Rush say they're real friends, while Wolfgang and Kemp are fake friends. They finish each other's sentences and they reveal Dharma and Shah have made themselves the head, heavy odds on favourite to win. And in our main event, Asher Smith and Oliver Carter versus Mustache Mountain versus Dee Familia for the NXT UK tag team titles. We see Bate Carp and Tim uh, stared each other down to open a colossal matchup. Uh, to, they each looked to gain the early edge in a fast and chaotic opening few minutes as Bate and Carter formed a short alliance take out Tim. Mayhem broke out quickly as Tim and Dover to break up a pin attempt by Carter, leading to all six superstars flooding the ring for a series of wild back-and-forth action. Raja grabbed one of the tag team titles and slid it to Tierman, but Smith countered the attempted blow to send Tierman tumbling to the arena floor with a clothesline, turn around into one from seven. Determined to reign a champion seven, grabbed his title to put, to put the match away, but Bate intervened to grab the other end of the title and prevent the use of the weapon, while the two played tug-of-war... Cut Ovin wiped out bait while Smith rolled up seven to record the pinfall and your new NXT UK tag team champions. It is Smith and Carter. But as they celebrated, uh, it looked like Mustache Mountain was coming to an end. The seven stormed off, repeatedly yelling, I'm done at bait as he left the arena. Uh, but as I said, one of the most improved tag teams at NXT and they do win the gold, but unfortunately, probably wasn't the biggest story. But there was so much going on in that matchup. A really, really good main event. I agree. You know, it probably wasn't as like hectic as some of the other like triple threats that you see uh, across other promotions. But this was still awesome, and uh, I thought it was good because of that. Because it wasn't as hectic, and I thought everybody brought their A gangs here. You know, Tillman uh, and. Uh, you know, Roger filled their roles perfectly. And I thought, you know, of course, what I really liked the most about this is that it, to- that it told two stories at once to me. You know, Smith and Carter finally getting over the hump, achieving their goal, and pinning the, ch- the pinning a form, you know, the champs. You know, not pinning, uh, you know, DeFamil. You know, getting that victory over Mustache Mountain, which we know was important to them, uh, even if it was at because they were on, at each other's necks. And then you have, of course, the story of Tyler Bate finally standing up to seven in a way and choosing on over cheap victories. Even though I know Bate did the right thing, James, but I have an argument that he honestly did not have to do that. It was no DQ match. You know, it wasn't necessarily breaking a rule, right? No? Okay. Honor. You're right. Honor. You're right. <laughs> anyway, honestly, this was all executed perfectly, in my opinion. Uh, though, so I thought this was excellent work by everyone involved. New tag champions, I'm all for it. And it was a slow burn. We're here. And, uh, yeah, it, we'll see what happens next when it comes to Mustache Mountain. But this was done right. Yeah. We're at that lots of free, proper tag teams. It was a good story told. And the one time out of three, bait decides to stop Trent from cheating, they do lose the titles, which does tell you something <laughs> right. about that as well. 
but no credit to your new NXT Tag Team Champions, well, Smith and Carter, like I said, come on leaps and bounds. But this is the beginning of the end. Trent will never be the same again. Uh, we'll move on to our penultimate of NXT UK, June 9th. We start off with Mark Andrews versus Kenny Williams. And we talked about the story of the paranoid Williams uh, looking around to check to see, even under the ring for his masked tormentor, Tiger Turan, adds another layer uh, to it. It looked like he was closing on the win when he dropped Andrew's throat first on a rope and hit a chop block, but he was immediately paralysed with fear when Turan suddenly appeared on the ring apron. Seconds later, Turan avoided the right hand from Williams and the scummy was rolled up by Andrews for the free count. Um... What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, I thought uh, Mark Andrews showed great toughness and heart because he continued to fight um, when, uh, you know, Williams was pretty relentless for a good part of this match. But this was, like you said, all about continuing Kenny's storyline with whoever is behind the mask. And uh, this was a good start to the show, I thought. This was not bad at all. Uh, decent stuff from both guys. Yeah. I mean, these so much talent. If they were more known to people... They people would complain they were unused. That that's how much I think Andrews and yeah. Williams. You know, they go, oh, I've that's never seen these point. guys. Why are they not used more? Well, you know, it's, for me, it's a yeah, perfect I, way to start. I, I, I'm starting to see more like with the Nathan Frazier. Like every week, every Tuesday, I'm seeing someone who may not have known who the hell he was talk about him. Like, man, where, where's this guy been? And I'm thinking he's like a performance center creation. I'm like, man, he just had a classic. We had a class with, you know, uh, Gunther before he was Gunther. So, mm. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Well, we get a video package on Trent Seventies in retirement through the months. And the focus is absolutely not on who won the belts, but on the former champs. But I don't mind because if you look at NXT UK in the history, uh, British Strong Style and Mustache Mountain are the one I take a phrase from AEW, one of the pillars of the promotion. So for me, right. this is a bigger story as you could probably get uh, right now on NXT UK, you know. Um, so I don't mind that. And then we see Mark Coffey looking out the window at the performance centre as if he was waiting for his brother Joe to return. His phone rings and we hear him crystal clear audio uh, speaking, saying, uh, oh, you're not coming back. Oh, all right. Okay. Speak to you soon. Uh, so, again, it's interesting. Another, another thing. I mean, we, you know, with uh, Mustache Mountain in trouble, we don't know what's going to happen. They wouldn't do the Gallus. Gallus are fine, aren't they? You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're fine, right? Yeah, they're fine. I can't, I can't, I can't see anything happening. I must, yeah, we must, be, must be missing something. Yeah, you know, just a spat. Yeah. Good. Good, I'll be worried otherwise. <laughs> Uh, Tate Mayfair's and Lonnie Burt versus Symbiosis. Uh, the two British pulverised Mayfair's and Blake scoring a win when T-Bone planted Mayfair's for a power slam and Primate finished him off with a diving headbutt. Low, the impressive win was overshadowed by what happened next. Eddie Dennis raised the arms of Primate and T-Bone, quickly threw him back down, began soaking up the spotlight, but they suddenly attacked Dennis and drilled him with the same power slam diving headbutt combination that earned him the win. Primate and T-Bone shook hands the entrance way and exited in separate, di- separate directions. Um, yeah. What your take on this? Yeah, man, the match uh, was what it was. You know, I thought it was a, a good step at first. Like, this is what I wrote, because originally I thought, oh, they're probably going to give out somebody else's uh, nice, you know, victory for to get their heat back, because, you know, the board made them look like chunks. 
Uh, but the commentary teams, when I was starting to notice, when they were like, oh, no, you know, they were nowhere near contention for the tag titles last week. You know, I think Andy said that. And, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking, okay, so maybe they're on the rise now. They're going to try to get some tag team contention? No. Because <laughs> Andy blamed Dennis, right? And he's like, oh, they're underachieving. He just mentioned it a couple times. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all Eddie Dennis's fault. And, <laughs> and then the symbiosis, symbiosis obviously agree with him. <laughs> because, uh, but uh, the thing about them shaking hands and going separate ways, I was really, I, I wrote it down as a question, but it, I think that's basically what they're saying. It's done. Symbiosis is done now. Um, and they're going their own way. Uh, I don't know what that means. I figured you would have more to say because you know more about the uh, entire run for symbiosis. I've only I've only been here the last month. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what this means for them going forward. What do you think? Well, I worry Freddie Dennis having two more dog collar matches in his future. But uh, <laughs> I, think, I think what we've seen here with these guys, no offense to symbiosis, and they might have some success in singles, but... I, I don't know how long any of these three guys will last there. With Eddie Dennis, uh, even on Twitter, we were speaking and speaking to him about, you know, tweeting or whatever it was, uh, saying that he was born in dark because he adopted them. And I really do believe if Eddie Dennis with a character work can become big as the other lot, I think we'll just see what happens, whether they be used as enhancement talent. They might even right. surprise us, but it's saying that's kind of not worked, so they've gone in different directions, kind of literally, uh, because of this. Um, and and I'll speak to you about as well, actually, because this is weird, because Ia Dragunov's backstage. He's here to watch Miko Satamora. Ia wants himself and Miko to show that NXT UK is the strongest brand. Now, a lot of people would argue and say, well, there's no way the strongest brand, but if I was put Ilya Dragunov against, as my champion, so to speak, against anybody, or Miko Satamora against anybody, mm-hmm. I'm pretty yeah. happy with my two picks, you know? <laughs> I'm not saying the best wrestlers I, in the world, I agree. but, you know. Yeah, I agree. You, they they can stand up to, to yeah, I agree, 100%. To the, I know AW don't necessarily have a number one guy right now, maybe it's Moxley, or, you know, whatever you want to say, but yeah, I think you can put those guys, uh, you can make Mako and, and Ilya against any champion and uh, women's champion combination, and I think they would hold their own um, nice and fine. Now, like you said, to the out to the public, a lot of people, oh, no, it's laughable. NXT UK, no way you're the best brand or whatever. But, you know, they do have two of the most consistent and inter- just generally entertaining champions that you can think of right now. And, hell, even, I mean, honestly, if you go down the, the – just go down the history of both checks, like with Kaylee Ray, with the Rhea Ripley, the Tony Storms. You know what I'm saying? Before, like all of their champions who who, are, who actually get on that throne, I have mountains of respect for pretty much everyone who's been in those positions. If you think about it, with Pete Dunne, Volta, you know what I'm saying? So this is, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, I agree with you. I think NXT UK has two of the strongest champions in the world. And I, I, I wouldn't doubt, I couldn't bet against them to, to, to they're strong. They're very, very strong. Is this weird? It is a weird argument because I'm obviously not going to die on that hill and be like, "Whoa!" Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it's even like we're talking about Charlie Dempsey or Ray Kid or uh, the women's division as such. It's like mm-hmm. there is so much talent. And I know no, I'm talent. Gar. It, oh man, we're going to get onto that next episode. Like Dar and Shah, I was just so pleased with them. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're they're excellent work. There's not a bad. <laughs> 
you know, the only bad workers on its UK are the fuckers coming over from 2.0, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. it's an interesting situation. If they had more takeovers, if they had more, you know, eyes to the product. Yeah, spotlight. Uh, this right. is the thing, you know. Um, but it's interesting. If we do get another recap of the new tag champions, uh, and we see them uh, coming backstage with cheers. Of course, Sam Gradwell, the first one to kind of give him a hug, fair play to him. Uh, and Ashton returning home to celebrate with his daughter. And I thought that was quite sweet, but he even said to her, mm-hmm. like, at least I won I'm WWE a, Championship. No matter what happens now, at least I have done it. So, you know, fair right. play. Um, yeah, and he's been there a long time. And I always like what I liked the most about it was the contrast. Like their video package was so much happier <laughs> than, and not, you know, it just less gloomy than Mustache Mountains. So yeah, I love that that contrast. Yes, yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, one of two ways things are going, guys. If you can work it out, <laughs> right? Um, but we did get a male versus Eliza Alexander up next. And despite Brookside dishing out endless trash talk from ringside, distracting her, uh, Alexander did take the upper hand with his face. Male fired back with flurry, wicked forearm strikes and a fungus bulldog. But Brookside once again tipped the scale when she hops on the apron, only to be greeted by a pump kick to the face by a male. Alexander capsized the distraction, drilling her opponent with a savage kick to the kneecap and followed by a decisive running knee to the face. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I've spoken about it earlier. I'm really digging this pairing at the moment. I don't know if they're the female Dar and Shah, but it's sank about them that I really like. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. They they work really well together, and I I really enjoyed this match. And like you said, Eliza, you called her a smasher earlier. So that's exactly what she's very very physical, and I thought a male matched that nicely and made this very competitive here. So I, I really thought they both did a really good job here, and even with the slight distraction. You know, Eliza pretty much beat her clean to me with that finish, even though it was kind of abrupt. But I thought it was only abrupt to me because I thought I probably wanted them to even do, you know, I thought they could go even longer. You know what I mean? Like, they could have probably went another year because they, they this is really, really uh, solid stuff, I thought, from uh, everybody involved here. And like you said, from the facial expressions that Zion make and their entrance and just how they look together, I think this is a very, very good pair. And I can't wait to see what what else they continue to do as we uh, continue to cover NXT UK. Uh, Until I remember there was a title match after this, that's when the only thing that made me be like, oh, okay, I understand why the match (laughs) kind of ended like that. Because it is a a big match coming up. Well, this is the way with the the times of the NXT UK episodes, and it's usually an hour. If there's a title match, yeah, it might be five or ten, but usually don't go on. You could make an argument for, you know, you could have a 90-minute show every week. But again, I think the hour gives us enough. And even this week's episode, I think it's only 45 minutes, but we'll get on to the reason why because mm. of that. Uh, but again, you don't want too much of a good thing, I suppose. You know? But sometimes it does work out. And then we see Wolfgang interrupting Damon Kemp's warm-up so we can see another version of a Walker uh, workout, which is uh, working out some pints. Uh, of course, they go to the local pub. Kemp has trouble understanding Wolfgang at first, which <laughs> I could say... I don't know if it's racist or whether it is, would be fair, but I am part Scottish and I find America sometimes has any accent. I'm just. Regionist, I'm, I guess. I'm I don't regionist. know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't Nationist. Know. I don't know. Nationalist. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. know? But, like I said, even me being Scottish, I will get over that fact because sometimes it might be a little bit different. 
but Damon, by the end of that, was speaking Scottish. I'm sure he would. Yes. The end. I don't know what. Yeah, he. Yeah, exactly. He was no longer American by the end of the, of the yeah. vignette. I don't oh, know. I popped for it though. I don't know if someone said to said Damon, either play drunk or play Shrek. I don't know which one. <laughs> I agree because like you can tell he was trying. I guess he was trying to slur his words, and I don't know what was coming. It was it was hilarious though to to watch him attempt to do that and them stumbling down the alleyway. Oh yeah, perfect chef kiss, oh, chef's kiss. Really, really, <laughs> really is something else. Uh, earlier this week, Lash Legend asked about a match with Mackenzie. She got interrupted by Myla Grace who looks to talk her way into a match. Fair play to you. Um, <laughs> on the final NXT of our update, we have Darwin Shah versus Wolfgang and Kemp, plus Trent Seven Speaks. But now the main event, the NXT UK Women's Championship, Ivy Nile versus Miko Satamora. And I tell you something, Ivy Nile came close to winning on multiple occasions, planting her leg mm-hmm. in Samoa's back while cracking her uh, on her arms in painful submission. Landon Inskuren, a jumping kick for spiking the title holder with an innovative somersault and bulldog from second rope. Satamore, however, absorbed the very best from the pit bull with Diamond Mine, wriggled free from a dragon sleeper and kept the challenger's shoulders to the mat for a free count, all in one motion. After the incredible title bout, Satamore nulled back to her feet and the two competitors mm-hmm. embraced and shook hands as NXT UK concluded. Um... Two women at the opposite stage of their careers, and I think the finish showed that as well, which I really, really liked. Yes, I love the respect uh, on both sides that was shown here. And uh, like 365 days for Mako's reign, and you know she's still badass, still kicking. And you know I was worried that Ivy wasn't ready for this. You know I'm, I'm pretty sure like we both probably was like I don't know, I don't know how how you know how it was do, but she looked like she definitely didn't look like she didn't belong. In the ring there, and uh, you know, of course, it is Mako. So you know, you kind of give you know, you give her credit for just being an awesome ring general, just being who she is. But I, w- I don't want to take away from Ivy because I really thought this is her real, her first real challenge that I've been able to view, and I think she passed it here. She looked legit, and uh, she gave Mako all she can handle in the story that they were telling. You know, the way that like she kind of only lost because of her lack of experience with the counter towards the end there. So I just thought this was excellent work by both ladies involved. And I, like I said, came away impressed with Ivy and Mako did her thing like she, like she was supposed to. Uh, so I, I love this. Without a doubt, you know, uh, not just, you know, not too fancy, just wrestling. And you make an excellent point about Ivy. And, and it, again, it's because of what we've seen with 2.0 coming here and thinking, oh my God, this is going to be bad. But Ivy, right. I think took, responsibility um you know there's a great video on uh, wwe.com afterwards with ivy video and in tears basically thanking miko for this opportunity coming and appreciating it and oh, it really yeah. has kind of turned me on ivy now now because uh, any anybody debuts and you you always kind of take that sideways glance and go but what right. i've seen of her you gotta feel and, them out yeah exactly and this performance of what i've seen and, and what it means to her and i think that's what some as more even to a fan is like do you actually care about what you're doing it's like right. you know last legend i'm great at basketball but i thought during covid i'll try wrestling compared to ivy nile saying this means the world miko's a legend and i mm-hmm. want to try and just do a bit of what she's done in this career you know um like you said as well 
Miko held the title for a year, and it doesn't feel much. <laughs> it feels like right? we have a lot more. And uh, same with Ilya Dragunov as well. Both of them are the fourth champion in NXT UK history. So we think you've had a lot of champions, but like you right. talk about, Tony Storm, um, Ray Ripley, Katie Ray, and now, of course, Miko Satamora. Uh, it's quite a lineup. I'm hoping that we get Miko versus Alexander, because I think that'll be hard-hitting as fuck. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hope we get there, too. They're going to, oh, my, oh, my God. They're going to knock the hell out of each other. <laughs> Kicks and, you know, elbows. Oh, man, I can't wait. <laughs> so, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But we have the last episode of June 16th, and I take this with a heavy heart as well. But we've got Nigel McGuinness and Andy Shepard finding commentary. We started with Tiger Turan versus Josh Burrell. And, of course, Turan's been around a bit, mostly uh, peaking into Kenny Williams' matches. He completely overwhelmed Burrell, blitzed him some impressive early Matt Grenfell connecting with a drop kick and saw through the air to take his foe with a crossbody. But Morel was unable to continue following the crossbody. The officials stopped the match award of Vichy Turan. And this has become quite common to see, especially in NXT UK in recent times, you know? Yeah, man, it's so so crazy. And I was surprised that they even presented this match at all, and honestly, given the result and how it kind of played out. Because the crossbody, you know, it looked normal. I guess it was kind of high. kind of looked like whiplash, maybe. But I'm not a doctor, so I, I just kind of left it there. But, yeah, it's definitely unfortunate from Morel uh, here. Uh, and I don't know, it's a scary little trend. But, I, I yeah, I didn't necessarily know – what to make of this. It was just, just a tough, you never really want to see this when you're watching uh, the product, whether you're in the crowd, whether you're at home, it's always tough when uh, things like this happen. But yeah, it was unfortunate start to the show. man. Yeah. It makes me think as well that they might've added either a Kenny coming out, but decided against it and cut it short. And like I said, the last episode of NXT UK, only 45 minutes, but if you take 10 minutes off, uh, you know, for kind of what we maybe would have had, uh, it would have been interesting. But like he said, to actually show the match when it wasn't a lot. But then again, I, I guess it was WWE's choice. At least they're not continuing match with yeah. an injured wrestler. And speaking of injured wrestlers as well, um, we got the announcement that Blair Davenport is going to make right. her turn. Uh, now, this is huge news because we were expecting Miko and Blair uh, a little while back. Looks like that's on the horizon as well, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. I hope we uh, we don't necessarily have to get right back into it. Maybe give her a couple other, you know, warm ups or maybe even a little few with someone else to start it off. But uh, yeah, I hope we get. I hope I, I was kind of not let down because she didn't immediately just come out and be like, "Mako, I'm coming for you," you know, in a way. But uh, I definitely uh, cannot wait until they finally get tangled up uh, with each other again because I feel like the match that uh, we were robbed of. Well, a finishing was on its way to being a really good one. So I can only wait. I can't wait to see what they would do if they, uh, you know, got a chance to do it again. I'm very, very happy to see her back. Uh, you know, especially without seeing much uh, Jenny lately. I feel like a strong heel character like Black Davenport is uh, needed in the division. One of the interesting things about Jenny as well, that's an excellent point. I've seen her for a while. But I think she yeah. is romantically involved with Volta. True. Whether that would affect the fact that she moved over to America just because of that or not is another thing. But as we've seen, that's mm-hmm. another talent. Talk about how stacked the women's division is and 
kind of even the <laughs> UK has taken a back seat to 2.0 recently when you've got someone like that like you said you can bring into the equation um but yeah. at the moment we've got people like Lash Legend we'll have to deal with that uh she took on <laughs> Myla Grace uh Legend continues to disrespect by twice pie facing Grace uh Grace immediately fired back with a badge of right hands and a boot to the face uh, and hit a picture-perfect DDT. Well, I say picture-perfect. But Legend earned a win by clubbing the flow with a vicious pump kick for standing over a downed opponent. This, I, I, I felt sorry for Grace, <laughs> to be fair. I agree. This, this is what I'm saying. Second time in a row where they've stood in this situation, and uh, I, I felt sorry for the other competitor of just trying to, you know, do whatever they can uh, out here. You know, just just another... One of those basic squashes, I guess you could say. And I can understand if you checked out watching this because I definitely <laughs> checked out. And unfortunately, we all knew where this was going to, so that only made it worse. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't last too long, so I just kind of I left, I left it alone. Kind of, I let it slide. But I did write down, I miss Nina Samuels and Jenny in this batch of episodes. Oh, my God, do I miss them. <laughs> Oh, I miss that's an excellent that's an excellent point um but we did get a bit of good news sarai is coming to yeah. uk i mean you what i mean get in there if they don't want to fucking use her we'll take her a hundred percent and she definitely should have been on this list before last legend was like let's just be honest i don't know how she was in the first pick but yes i was very excited uh i think we can see some uh, good stuff from her uh, in the ring with a lot of the talent that they have in uh, that women's division and on the UK. So I can't wait to see those styles blend. And, of course, possibly an encounter with Mako, you know, uh, down the line or whenever they want to do that. So well, Maybe they've said to themselves, look, we sent Lash Legend of Von Wagner. Let's send someone with talent to see if that actually works, <laughs> you know. But I, I right, say right. that. I say that they give with one hand and take away with another because that's followed by the news of Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen and Fallon Helen <laughs> coming as well. I mean, fuck me. And they want a shot at the NXT UK tag titles as well. Well, I mean, and again, not to be this guy, but people have a go at like the foreign hill, you know, even like Vault now going, or American will never hold us. I mean, these guys were literally like, yeehaw, boy, we're going to ride yeah. our horse and come to UK, boy. Bring me back to the US of A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah. is that how every no, American no. speaks, Monty? Is that, is that... No. <laughs> I, I, and I'm from, I'm from, the, from the south of the United States where they are trying to depict. We People have not talked like that for centuries, <laughs> it feels like. At least, I'm not going to say centuries, but I say decades. Like, come on, 40, 50 years since people were walking around talking like this. Well, uh, it's pockets you still, <laughs> you know, you, you pray for. <laughs> well, I'm joking. But, yeah, uh, no, I'm not excited for this. And the fact that they get this title shot on their first, like, what the hell have they done to get a title <laughs> shot? Like, oh, please, Smith and Carter. Please. Oh, if they fucking drop no the way. belts. No, they, they can't. No they way, can't. Right? They can't do it. We're going to take yeah. the belts to you. You're back to America, boy. <laughs> what the fuck? It's not 1887 anymore, guys. We're going to beat those damn British like we did back in 1787. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, red coats. Come on. Like, bro. oh, God. Calm oh, down. Oh, my word. Tea party. Well, <laughs> 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 but 
even in this again, not to have a go at NX UK for having a go at Scottish people, but they were saying Wolfgang was fueled on Iron Brew and fucking Haggis in the main yeah. event, which is just like, oh come on, don't, uh, don't do that. But yeah, Wolfgang, Damon Kemp, Shah Samuels, and Iron Dar, and the chemistry was never more apparent. When Wolfgang overwhelmed Samuels with a mix of strikes and did the signature cross-arm pose while shouting Gallus boys on top, uh, David mm. Kemp was like, I guess I'm in Gallus and Diamond Mine now. <laughs> like, I'm in two, <laughs> two groups. Like, um, well, <laughs> moments later, Dahl distracted by Wolfgang at ringside. Kemp planted Dahl with an impressive slam to secure the victory. Wolfgang Kemp once again hit the signature Gallus pose and Samuel started back in the ring to attack the victors. Wolfgang planted him with a thunderous spear. <laughs> Bollocks. Right, so before I get your thoughts, the final scores for 2.0 versus NXT UK is 8-2. 8 Oh, 8-2. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm not... I could count Ia dragging off which would only make it 8-3 but we have got more matches yeah. coming on obviously next month for the, the next NXT UK oh. and, oh, but I don't know what's going to happen but Wolfgang did cheat on us so if anybody's asking if I'm not <laughs> counting him he's turned his back um, but I will say to you at the battle of the match itself Sharm and Dar may be my favourite team to watch only because I talked about Pretty Deadly calling the spots pretty loudly their mm-hmm. recent matches, try and catch them calling a match. They are in constant dialogue with Damon Kemp yeah. about everything. But because of the trash talking, because of the grimaces, because of the... I even love the interaction when Dar's going, Shah, quick! And then they hit the double-team move or stuff like this. For me, right. it's quality professional wrestling because these guys have been in crowds of 10 and realised they had to hide it. And they do so much. Uh, what did you think? I mean, I know you love Darwin Shah. What do you think of this match? And what do you think of this combination? Because it just keeps on giving. Yeah, I agree. They, they, they're leaning on them a lot. Even and it's kind of nice to see them get leaned on outside of the the Heritage Cup format uh, for a change. So uh, you know, you kind of get to see them work, like you said, work together as a team. And I agree. I love every second of it. And that's a really, really good point about them. Uh, calling spots and all of that and just how they just being the definition of a pro uh, is the best way I guess I can describe that they just know exactly what they're doing out there and I guess that's another thing that just makes them so compelling other than them just being very very entertaining and uh, like I said the sale of the spear after the match just cracked me up because he was so so (laughs) animated as you know Sean just seems to always be but I really think NXT UK has done wonders for Kemp in my eyes to me, especially as a character. Because, again, he barely has gotten a chance to speak in the Diamond Mine. And uh, he's a different guy, it seems like, over, over the UK. And I think the people backstage love that vignette of him and Kemp drink. I mean, him and uh, Wolfgang drinking uh, because they had to air it again before this one, but uh, probably the field time. But uh, this was good fun, though, surprisingly, you know, at – and I didn't mind Wolfgang Kemp working together. I thought they looked good, at, you know, uh, in the moment. And that kind of – their posing together is what sparked my theory, which I'll get into in a second. But uh, I thought they gave Kemp time to shine, which is what he needs, and, you know, time in the ring. And, uh, you know, Dar and Shaw just continuing to be their entertaining selves and just a highlight whenever their feature made this uh, – put this over the top for me. So – but – 
them posing together the way they the match worked out, it really made me wonder. Is Joe watching this? And with Mark winning without him, it kind of seems like he wanted to do a single thing, kind of like he was uh, before he left for hiatus. And then you have Wolfgang teaming up here with Kimber and doing the pose. Are they planning these things that Joe might come back not so happy with his, with his, you know, with his crew and make even more dissension than Gallus? I can't wait to see uh, what happens because maybe I'm making something out of nothing, but I just thought that maybe some of the stuff that's going on is uh, also a seed in in the in the direction of maybe splitting Gallus up. And I know losing Mustache Mountain and Gallus this close together could be. Uh, very, very different <laughs> when it comes to NXT UK. Well, but I don't know. I'm just saying, they seem to be teasing something. We don't I don't know. know. Let me know. Am I on to something? We don't know yet about Mustache Mountain. Trent Seven's just about to speak, so I've got hope from them going back yeah. together. Hold on, hold uh, If it was anywhere, any other program in WWE, I would say no. But because it's UK, and even with the Kenny Williams Tiger Taran thing, we're kind of long term, it makes sense. Yeah, Joe coming back and realizing what's going on. It's an excellent point with Damon Kemp as well, because putting them in spotlight you're putting them with another NXT UK guy to kind of make them accepted more and this is kind of mm-hmm. what's going to add experience as well and I'd be no doubt the only thing I may be disappointed on a little bit is when they mentioned you know Mark Coffey starting a single run and not being featured since that point and I think that we need to see a little, bit, a little bit more of that or even kind of Mark and Wolfgang you know going oh I know what you're doing but I don't mind you going a separate way and then Joe can completely kind of back on that right. um you know it'd be interesting to see you know i'm gonna keep an eye on it worked out yeah. like i said it's with nx uk it's definitely something that is on the horizon there because i can't see uh joe coffee going up without mark if they're going to go up as a group you know because it's like what would they do on the main roster well they could be teamed up with sheamus probably make more sense than ridge and you know, butch at this moment in time, but <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Very interesting, and like I said, our main event segment, the very last thing we're going to look at was Trent Seven uh, coming out with his own entrance video, towel around his neck, and he asked for time to explain his mindset, saying he generally didn't know what was going to happen uh, when, if they lost the titles. Apparently, he doesn't feel like how we used to, and he made a decision on his future, except... Uh, Trent wanted Tyler Bate out to come so he can speak face to face. He did the ring and he mostly told the four minutes UK champ he never would have accomplished what he did without the big strong boy watching his back. He recalls some of their greatest moments, including winning the NXT titles uh, in the Royal Albert Hall, of course, beating pretty deadly for the NXT UK Tag Team Championship. Uh, for the very top of Mustache Mountain to the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you. And everyone for being part of this ride. Seven said his voice began to crack. The long-term fans embraced. But when Bate turned away, Seven stunned everyone with a shocking uppercut below the belt. With that, Seven grabbed Bate by the beard or the moustache more aptly and said, I never needed you and slapped him across the face. Seven lifted Bate above his head and dropped him with the burning hammer, draped a towel across his former friend, and stood on his chest at one foot as the NXT UK concluded to a shell shock audience with Mustache Mountain leading to the end of British Strong Style. Monty, this was big for me, man. What did you think about it first? 
Oh man, this is just storytelling that is fine. It's coming to a head, you know, culminating a beautiful, beautiful story, uh, in my opinion. And just the way it was executed, all the way from the production shots of the live crowd, who was obviously getting emotional, and uh, you know, uh, just the little things in this segment. You know, seven, like you said, t- picking him up by the mustache after the deed, and like just like that little nod, and then also. The, the, I think what happened was when they, they, they embraced first and then he walked off and kind of stood by the rope. And you can tell he took a deep breath and he went over and I thought, okay, he's about to do it now. He's going to take get a run and start and do it. Nope. He went over there and he gave him another hug around the, like from the backside to set up the low blow. But it's just like that little extra hug, like just kind of the way he executed was just so well done because I just thought, Oh, okay. Because you kind of hit, you kind of see the crowd. Like, oh, okay, we're gonna start chanting Mustache Mountain because, yeah, you know, they got it. They hugged it out. They're good. And then, boom, the shock on like some of those people's faces. It was just well done, it was perfect, perfectly executed. I, you know, I think the writing has been on the wall. Uh, when you look at the way they've been trying to tell this story, because it just seemed like Tyler Bate was not gonna jump on the dark side with them. And you know how it is if that's the case. The tag team partner's not gonna go over there with them. You got to get rid of the partner. And uh, even if it is in this situation, I do love also him saying the other one in reference yeah. <laughs> to Butch. Oh, that was great. That was a great little little thing there. But, yeah, I knew this would be a big deal for you. I really, really wanted to hear your take on it. You've been with these guys from, you know, day one or from the beginning, especially before, probably even before the U- NXT UK days. So uh, I really would like to hear your, your take on it because I know what they mean to me and, like, what I've gotten a chance to see. Uh, in, the, in the last few years, uh, and just also just since I've been reviewing this show, so uh, and I, I love them, but I know that they mean twenty times more to someone like you. So, what did, what did you think of this? Do you know what I, this this was shocking because the thing is, even you uh, you've been warning me these past few months and saying, <laughs> but for, for, I can't put into words what Mustache Mountain, especially NXT UK, it it would be mm-hmm. the equivalent of the. You know, the bucks turn on each other, I would say, would would be the kind of thing. Right. Because you can't fathom it. You know, Trent and Tyler, with Pete Dunne as well, British Strong Style, without those three guys being a pillar, they built that company on their back. You know, it, as uh, wrestlers themselves, with Tyler Bate being the first you kind of NXT UK champion and the team with Trent and, and everything they kind of accomplished. And you thought... If anything was going to happen, it'd be Trent just, you know, saying walking away and saying, "No, this is my time." And what it means is that this is the end. You know, Trent Seven is not a young man. Mm-hmm. He, he's obviously thinking about yeah. retirement. He has talked about it in the past couple of years, and, and it's obviously leading to now, you know, and obviously either loser leaves town or, or you know, retirement match even between Trent and Tyler. My only issue is. The crowds aren't big enough to understand this matchup. You know, for, for these two to have a one-on-one yeah. match needs an an O two. You know, a Royal Albert Hall, an arena <laughs> full yeah. of people with the emotion that we're going to see here. I'm excited to see Tyler showing a bit more fire. We've talked about this before. A little bit, maybe more personality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's weird again the parallels that we've seen. It's even like Eddie Dennis being attacked by symbiosis is the same week Edge was attacked and kicked out of Judgment Day. Uh, a bit like we saw with Trent 
getting turned on here was is similar between Jungle Boy and Christian on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is, is that NXT UK was taped a month ago. <laughs> so right, they were right. already done. Um, and I feel this is bigger than anything we've seen in recent times. And I just hope we can get the emotional story in the crowd there uh, because the story is there. And this is Trent's final run. And it makes me a little bit more emotional because his final run wants to put bait over even more than kind of teaming up. You know, he wants to put him over as this kind of single star. But mm. this is is something, like we said, the to you hold on to you know, how NXT UK started and it's it completely changed now. You know, even with the tag teams and the stuff in the base. So this is a new era. And it'll be interesting to see what happens wherever we talk about. It. I mean, what are your thoughts on it this past month? Because we've seen a lot of 2.0 talent. Do you think we'll get back to kind of basic UK? Or do you think this will always be the thing now? We'll have kind of sending talent over. I think as long as uh, the talent is so... As long as the, their direction is a lot of these people with not much experience, I think they're going to continue to try to use... NXT UK's wealth of experience and knowledge in wrestling and try to ship people over. You know, uh, that could be good, but at the same time, it could definitely be uh, obviously problematic because this wasn't the best batch of NXT UK shows to me, but it definitely had a lot of great storytelling, which is something that I'm used to now when it comes to NXT UK. Uh, So it definitely kept me interested around all the negatives. I thought Ivy Ivy Nile and Kemp are literally the only two 2.0, the only 2.0 imports <laughs> that I actually enjoy. The rest of them and the lack of dragging off, even though, uh, you know, I'm not that mad at it because I understand how these shows are kind of paced. It's just that lack of dragging off in a lot of these episodes can drag UK, NXT UK down, in my opinion, for like the way it feels sometimes. But I do think the story of Mustache Mountain and the matches like Dempsey and A-Kid and the, that tag title match of the Mustache Mountain feud. And then uh, with uh, uh, well, I think that's this show at its best. And when they were, when you have people like Blair Devonport and you have Sarai coming in, like I said, some of the 2.0 that can be a positive addition. Uh, I think maybe, uh, you know, this can give this show a good boost. But. You know, when you have the other end of that spectrum, too, with these 2.0 collaborations coming, we just have to kind of wait and see how it all turns out. Uh, I'm hoping for a little bit more of what we're used to, like you said, going forward. But I think right now the direction would be uh, to try to help out as much of this, these, much of these new faces as they can by putting them in the ring with Makos and, uh, you know, people like that to try to give them uh, more experience. Can I? This is an interesting thing. Like I said, because the stories I think this this month are continued to be maybe as good as they have. But the wrestling yes. maybe toned down a little bit, and it just makes it work. And it's like the depth of the women's division is the kind of the the, the biggest strength NXT UK's got. I look at the tag division, and I only see a few teams there. I look at you know uh, the the Heritage Cup, and I think well, Dark can just do what he wants really. But it'd be interesting to see who steps. Right. Up next is Challenger. It's the kind of main event scene. And like you said, we're really dragging off. And there's no kind of someone there who's discernible as next in line. It even makes me think if they want to go fully in with Trent Seven as a heel to face Ear Dragon off whether he wins or loses and try and go in yeah. that direction. And then maybe Tyler versus Trent down the line for that. 
you know, it's 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 again, it's interesting time for NXT UK, isn't it? You know, I agree. They have uh, options. You know, like you said, when they cap off this store, you have uh, options that you can send, like your seven towards dragon off, or you could uh, you know, prolong this uh, stuff with uh, bait. You can kick it right off as soon as possible if you want to, or you can just let it build up some more. They have options, like I said, with the Gallus story, like they're possibly planting the seeds of something. Either Whether he comes back into the fold and it works out, whether he doesn't, something is going to happen with Joe Coffey. So, like, again, you have to be excited about what's coming there. And, you know, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, they've done a lot of times. I think the last few, besides the, the Jordan Devlin stuff with Dragon Off, he's got a couple of defenses where – it's been people who come from 2.0. You never know. That might be a possibility. We get a uh, a random title defense out of nowhere in the coming weeks. Like I said, they have plenty of options of what they like to do. I, I think, like you mentioned, the storytelling being the strongest part of this show is vital. And I think as long as they continue to focus on telling good stories, the foundation will be fine. But I am worried about the um, level of action we will get consistently if they lean too much on 2.0 going forward. So we'll see. It's tough when you have an hour of television because you got you want to develop these guys in 2.0, but you also want to continue to you know develop your own roster, like uh, like Aaliyah James, for example. I thought she was doing something. I thought she was on the rise, and again, no no television for a while now. Uh, you know because of you know not enough time really in spots and all that type of stuff. So it's it's just you know. It's a lot of uh, they have a lot of options. They have a lot of talent, so this can go in many different directions going forward. But I, we'll be here to see and talk about it all, though. So that's the good thing. Right. <laughs> well, I, do you know what? You just made me come up with one final question, and I'll ask you. It's a bit left field, uh, just a complete opposite of what we're talking about. If you could pick, if you had now the opportunity to pick one two star to come to NXT UK. Uh, you know, whether it will be permanently or whether it is to have a few matches, mm-hmm. you know, who would you pick? My choice is really out there. I just think of it. I'd have Legado down into NXT UK and his series of matches with Dee Familia. I just think that would be work. I mean, Santos yeah. and Tierman, you know, would just be great as well. We just, you know, those teams having fun. I know there's probably more serious picks, but that's what I'm going to go for now. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I I don't mind that at all. You know, Santos in general, like Santos versus Dragunov, man. Uh, you know, Carmelo, uh, I, of course, I, I can always say Carmelo Hayes. I feel like he he would shine anywhere. Uh, believe it or not, I, maybe you can consider this me coming around. Waller actually would be a – him and Kenny Williams just being assholes to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the NXT UK, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I actually think Waller will fit in nicely around there, actually. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I said. It's interesting. And you know what? The chances of seeing Grayson Waller are going up each and every week. <laughs> <laughs> good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but again, Monty, uh, we're wrapping up now. And it feels like every pod we do together, we fit more and more in. But when you consider we started talking about like other news and where we went to with Vincent Mann to where we finished now, uh, we have got a lot covered there, and I think I'm quite happy. Uh, so that, that is it. Don't forget, of course, yeah. all social media Twitter at the Dubliner Podcast. I'm the Dubliner JR. You can find the entire Dubliner team on the Twitter banner, or they can find you in uh, if they want to listen to you. 
All right, at Mind Monty Pod on Twitter. You can hit the link in my bio. I got my link tree up there. You can go to YouTube and watch some clips from the podcast if you don't have time to look at the entire show or listen to the entire show, or you can just click the link. If you do have time, check it out. Uh, we definitely covered uh, the extent that we had on the Vince McMahon stuff on the most recent show. Mentioned Sasha Banks because it was a lot of stuff going on. People don't necessarily know uh, what's going to be happening there. And we reviewed Dominion so uh, of New Japan. So please check out the show. Uh, give us a listen. We do a lot of different things that like try to have a little fun. And uh, just let me know what you want to hear from me next. But hit me up at Mind Monty Pod. And speaking of Dominion as well, we're going to cover that on our next episode because the next show we've got is the Forbidden Door with the whole WNRT. Of course, we'll talk about Jay White and stuff like this. But uh, we're only a week out for Forbidden Door. Monty, just quickly, what are your thoughts on how the show is shaping up? The card we have so far is actually not bad. I don't mind a lot of the stuff that's going on. Uh, with, you know, Tanahashi and Moxley, I think can be a strong main event. Uh, you know, with the Orange Cassidy and uh, Will Ospreay, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But I must say right now, it's looking like we won't necessarily see any Okada, because Uchiko Okada, who's pretty much the, you know, they call Mako the final boss. That's what Okada is in New Japan, the final boss. We don't know who Jay White is fighting yet, so I'm reserving judgment on that. I can't wait to see what that's supposed to be about. Uh, but, uh, you know, with no Okada, my favorite in the business, Tetsuya Naito, of course I'm biased there. I am a little bit disappointed right now because I, I, it's certain people that I consider vital names to New Japan who are not featured here. But I'm not going to take away from the card that they've built so far. I think we're gonna, we can get some fun stuff. You know, maybe Malachi Black. I don't necessarily know who will be the New Japan entrant quite yet, but... You know, whoever he ends up facing at the uh, at the turn, if he wins, because he could not win that. So it's a lot of stuff still in the air. But based on the foundation of what they've set up so far, I don't have necessarily a problem with it. Even though I do think it's some vital New Japan stars who are missing from the card so far. One person I am glad <laughs> that is going to be there, and hopefully main events is a Jay White. Because like I said, yes. if anybody has not heard his promo after he won the title, then if you think <laughs> CM Punk or MJF are pretty cool, check out this guy because it is just money, you know? And, and yes. it's just, I'm so glad that, you know, with Jay White, that, you know, especially this year, you know, we've featured on Impact and, and everywhere else that I managed to see him obviously be strong. I mean, the, the USJ, the open challenge and strong that I had, or we had, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to watch. Uh, yeah, man, just what a fucking guy. He's money. <laughs> just, He's money. That's all it is. I've been really, spoiled, though. Like, I'm yeah. spoiled. I was watching him at 25 and I said he was money. So to yeah. see him now and to see where he's at, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm proud. I was so proud yeah, of watching if, Jay White. If, if anybody's like, what match? You'd be like, give me Jay White versus the Dragunov. <laughs> give me, give me Jay White versus Ooh. anybody at this point in time. It's just like, it's it's something else. But we're gonna deep, we're gonna dive into that as well. Like I said, next week uh, we're gonna have a look at Japan, of course Dominion as well, and everything, the good and the bad. And Doc Gallows, I'm looking at you. Uh, but don't forget, well, WR also on Facebook and Instagram, because all Google platforms. Send us an email at doublepodcast at gmail.com. 
YouTube and the podcast for the latest clips. The podcast got the same time on YouTube as it do SoundCloud on your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Like I said, everybody knows Forbidden Door next week. Um, but until then, I was James Rowlands and I have been joined by the fantastic Monty. And again, I really appreciate you joining me, especially when it's only been a week uh, and you'll be coming back next week as well. <laughs> but I'm hope. You enjoyed having a look at NXT UK and a little bit of chat about the crazy wrestling world. Oh, yeah. No, I always enjoy these. I can't wait to do it again uh, next week. Believe it or not, the world could be completely different. Like, oh, just wait till we get to the <laughs> – let's just wait till we get through it because I don't know what the hell to expect anymore. So I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, in the movie where you got, like, you know, four friends and then it's like – the apocalypse happens. This is kind of <laughs> what it's felt with the podcast. <laughs> like you guys yeah. are going, what the fuck have we got ourselves into? You know, <laughs> we're going to get the Stay Puff monster showing up soon, and they're going to be told it's us to stop him. You know, it's it's getting on that. <laughs> it's getting on that level. <laughs> yeah, we're on our way there, man. Yeah. I can't lie, we're on our way there. <laughs> but at least we have each other, and as you know, I'd always appreciate. It. And we always have the people listening as well so thanks for that and we'll see you next week bye